For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Well, they're all off again, lads, for uh, the St. Patrick's Day junket, uh, and there'll be nobody left in the country. Um, there's outrages. Every single minister has got the green light now for a St. Patrick's Day jaunt. Somebody turned the lights out. The government has... Uh, been slammed. They've confirmed that every single cabinet minister will be jetting across the globe on St. Patrick's Day jaunts this year. Uh, 36 uh, representatives to be sent to 74 cities in 44 countries for the annual festivities. And of course, the criticism is uh, summed up very much. Um, The Mirror carries the story this morning. Uh, People before Prophet TD Richard Boyd Barrett says that it is obnoxious, obnoxious to send so many people away during a cost of living crisis. And many of the papers this morning have world maps on their inside pages telling us where everyone is going um, and, you know, the different trips that they're having. It's going to be a long cycle for Eamon Ryan off to Singapore and China. I am joking. Uh, The Taoiseach will be in Washington. Um, The Taunista, Bihar Martin, will be in in New York and Boston, Eamon Ryan, Singapore, China, Hong Kong, Beijing, Shanghai. Don't worry, I'm not going through all of them. Uh, Michael McGraw will be in Chicago and, and Toronto. And even Simon Coveney uh, is away in Australia. He'll be in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Canberra and Perth. I don't know how much these things cost. I guess we have to wait until after the event. Jerry Bottomer from the Shannad is off to Sierra Leone and Liberia. So I'm just probably at this stage just going to leave it at that with regards to the Cork contingent who are travelling. Uh, but it would wreck your head, wouldn't it? Uh, maybe maybe there's people that think it's a great idea and that we need to, at the, probably around the fact that it's maybe 100 years uh, anniversary of, of the Irish state that they should be going uh, overseas. But some of them are very questionable, the place they're going, to be quite honest with you. Uh, your thoughts on that are welcome, actually, these junkets for St. Patrick's. This is a record-breaking year uh, for Irish uh, politicians. Text 0868104106. A very tragic story of a woman who's now 25 years old um, and living with cerebral palsy. And she sued over the circumstances of her hospital birth uh, all those years ago and has settled her action with the HSE for 35.2 million euro. It's a front page of profoundly damaged, of course, by uh, negligence. And her counsel, Dr. John O'Mahony, um, the girl's name is Shawnee Breen from Toker. It's the highest ever payout in a personal injuries case alleging injury at birth. And don't we see all too much of it, actually, with regards to the Irish Health Service being in court for stories like this? Is the front page of the Echo today because of the fact that it's a core connection uh, with a young girl from originally from Toker. And her counsel, John O'Mahony, said, Dr. John O'Mahony said that uh, it was very sad. It's a tragic case. There was a lapse, the council said, he said there was a lapse of 40 minutes between the delivery of Shawnee and her twin sister. And she suffered profound disabilities because of that. It's a headline of making the Echo record 35 million euro settlement. Interestingly, because you heard in the news there a while ago about uh, this is to do by and large with regards to women. I accept that it can happen to both sexes, but domestic violence victims. It's a story that makes the examiner today where victims of abuse at home are waiting way too long. It's like a postcode lottery, depending on where you live, uh, trying to get a hearing in the district court because the waiting times for family law domestic violence applicants vary widely all over the country. And it really, at this stage, depends where you live. But there's an interesting one where a man's been found guilty of sexually assaulting his wife. Uh, Sentencing's been put back until next month. It's an echo court report this morning. It's the case of a man found guilty by a jury 
of sexually assaulting his wife at a time when their relationship had broken down, but they were still living in the same house, so still living together. Relationship had broken down. It's the end of the relationship, and uh, uh, the woman involved in this had been sleeping on a fold-out couch in the sitting room area. Uh, she had fallen asleep, and I won't go into the details of the assault, although it does make the court reports, but it ended up in court now with the man involved in that being found guilty of sexually assaulting his wife and will be back for sentence in March. And then, of course, there is the story of the top Irish celebrity who cannot be named uh, appeared in court uh, charged with three sex offences against a child. Now, the man is said to be in his late 30s, was arrested and charged. I don't believe he said anything at all. Can't be named for legal reasons, but charged with three counts. And I'm reading from the Star this morning, three counts uh, of defilement of a child under the age of 17. And the papers this morning say that in, well, just to quote the paragraph, a celebrity face, is facing up to five years in jail if found to be convicted after he was charged with three sex offences against the child. That's the kind of prison sentence that uh, the Red Tops this morning are suggesting could happen on a guilty verdict. And you know of the story of the GAA legend who is being investigated for fraud. Um, this story just continues it just keeps on it just keeps on um, you know adding new strings to the bow if you like because apparently the um, as they say the GAA legend now is believed now to have sought psychiatric help and according to the son this morning uh, he's been investigating for, for fraud but told pals that he was going to get 300 million in a far east property deal and it's the centre of a Garda probe now that, he, that this story was used as a way of securing cash, as a way of securing cash to pay for cancer treatment in America when he wasn't actually sick at all. And there was an allegation overnight that in one case um, there was supposedly, this is a Jumbo Karen story from this morning's Sun, um, that there was, um, at one stage he was supposed to be in America for uh, cancer treatment but was actually in Ireland playing golf. It's it's an incredible story because you're talking about a, a million euro, or perhaps even higher. So that story continues to make the papers and uh, the guard investigation is ongoing. Uh, the hypocrisy of drug use in Ireland is quite interesting. And I see Labour's justice spokesman, Aidan O'Reardon, making the mirror this morning. The headline in the mirror says, it's high time we decriminalised all drug users. Now, all of them... Well, many might think that that's a bit extreme. I mean, up to and including what? Like heroin? Uh, but he says that politicians, guardi, take drugs. Uh, members of the media uh, take drugs. People from all walks of life and every profession, media included, the ones that bang on about the scourge of drugs are sometimes using them themselves. But it's only the poor people that actually ever get prosecuted, he says. So that's food for thought, isn't it? If you're driving a petrol or a diesel car, well, the deadline for petrol and diesel cars is, uh, um, is continuing to tick. Uh, and sooner or later, 2035 is the year they're talking about, there ain't going to be no more petrol or diesel cars. You won't be able to buy any. And interestingly, if there's any left on the roads in 2035, petrol or diesel, you'll have to switch to biofuels. And apparently, biofuels, um, and I'll have to find out exactly what those are, um, I guess alternative forms of energy, I guess, but they're more expensive um, so, uh, no, that's probably why many people are moving now a lot to hybrids and ultimately everybody to electric. And this is a European Union directive saying combustion engines have got to be gone by 2035. So clock ticking on that. And then if there's a lot of other kind of uh, road, road and car related stories making the papers, like the NCT continues to struggle to try and deal 
with the backlog. And, um, well, yesterday they were saying that there was issues with staff rejecting a proposal to bring in other less qualified staff. They continue to recruit uh, inspectors uh, from the Philippines. And that's the story that makes this morning's independent. While, um, and not before time, they're saying in this morning's echo that 80 million euro is going to be given, funding of 80 million to upgrade Cork roads. I don't think I can ever remember our roads being as bad as they are now. Uh, city roads, suburban roads, country villages, uh, rural roads, all sorts of problems with them. They are an absolute mess, the state of our roads. So the figure when you break it down is that County Cork is going to get 71.5 million and Cork City will get just under 10.5 million. And a lot of the projects that's going to be spent on, spent on will be completed in 2023. Mother of God, how can that be? I mean, I hope to God that they just don't spend 80 million euro buying tarmac and filling potholes. You know, I understand that it's going to cause an awful lot of hassle for people if roads are going to be upgraded, but they can't continue where they are. They're so bad. And you know this story that's been doing the rounds there for many a year now, the onboard catering services with Irish Rail. RSVP Live last night were reporting on it and the papers this morning pick up with the Independent saying onboard catering services will finally return to some Irish Rail services from the end of March. Now, I'm assuming... Is it a trolley or do you walk up to the the, the, um, the little shop counter? I'd imagine if it's going to happen, it'll be the trolley. Will it be more than coffee and tea? Will there be crisps and sandwiches and all sorts of stuff like that or cakes available? I don't know. Uh, but of course, we've had nothing since, um, you know, uh, COVID came along and the catering service with the contract with Rail Gourmet was terminated. Um, so at least now they're talking. I don't know whether James O'Connor, the Fianna Fáil Transport spoken, has jumped the gun here. He says it's been confirmed. Um, he says Fianna Fáil Transport spokesman James O'Connor confirmed the news, having been assured by the CEO of Irish Rail that services will be reinstated on a phased basis. From the end of March, they're saying in the papers this morning. We spoke to Irish Rail this morning and they said, uh, we've been saying for a few weeks we hope to announce details of a partial return soon. However, it is not confirmed yet. We hope before the end of the week to have news, but we won't be doing anything on it because we were looking for a spokesperson. We won't be doing anything on it today, but we do expect to announce details within days. Um, now, also at the same time, of course, there's still uh, the issue of the cafe. There's the shop open at Kent, but the cafe is closed, so they need to get that fixed as well. Uh, Stephen Hackett, actually, um, the business development manager at Irish Rail, has tweeted saying that the coffee shop at Kent Station, he says, I'm reliably informed that a new supplier has signed a lease agreement and it should be open in the coming week. So it's like buses. They all come along together. <laughs> the return of rail services on board trains and the reopening of the cafe. You might like to know that fee schools are no bait better for pupils who are chasing points than non-paying paying schools. It's a front page of making this morning's independent. Um, attending a fee-charging school doesn't greatly enhance a student's chances of getting into high points university courses, according to all of the research that they've done. And on Lee's side, that would be the likes of your prez your Christians and your Skolvura. Um, and you know that, you know the passport for sale that we had for many years in Ireland? There was also a thing called a golden visa scheme where wealthy investors overseas uh, could get a visa to come over to Ireland to live here and to work here if they had a lot of dosh. They needed to have at least 2 million euro in personal wealth. And then they also had to uh, invest a million euro in an Irish business or make a 500,000 euro charity donation um, that was fine and dandy for years and lots of wealthy people used it but all of a sudden now there was a massive increase in applicants from China 
So they shut the golden visa system down. And it's a story that makes the Irish Times today. Tommy Tiernan continues to shed viewers, 62,000 week on week, apparently. Uh, I don't know whether it has to do with the actual um, guests that he's on the show or his uh, recent uh, comedic antics on stage or whatever. But viewers are tuning out of Tiernan, according to the Star today. There's a male pill, apparently, that will be on the markets very soon. Um, but when I say that, it's not going to make us smarter. It's not going to make us more, um, you know, amenable to women. It's not going to make our personalities improve in any way, shape or form. It is a male contraceptive pill. And apparently you can take it half an hour before sex and it will be a game changer in the lab department. And unfortunately, lads, the sad news that Lilt, the totally tropical drink, uh, may well be no more. Um it was an 80s favourite, but apparently uh, it's losing its fizz uh, because uh, people just ain't drinking it anymore. So the once famous Lilt Man, um, who roamed Paradise Beaches handing out cans of ice-cold soft drinks, has been retired um, after 48 years to be replaced with a new flavour Fanta. It just won't do. It's just not the same thing. Mind you, if I was so upset about the fact that Lilt will be no more, why wasn't I drinking it for all these years? But I can tell you, this big 80s favourite uh, was not just a thirst quencher back in the day, but it was a great mixer as well. In the heady days of the 1980s, when Malibu was a big hit, when Malibu was a big hit, they went very well together. Many's the headache I had to prove it. Malibu and Lilt. I'm not suggesting you should try it before it goes out of fashion, but you may remember... Um, you may remember the uh, actual uh, ad for Lilt for the tri- typically tropical taste and I might give it a spin a little later on this morning. Papers also this morning talk of um, issues regarding love and Angarda Shikona are warning people and this is very important, you know, from say yesterday being Valentine Day, Valentine's Day, the amount of people who were caught in online scams involving romance fraud. They said that since 2019, 6 million Euro, Angarda Shikona says, 6 million euros has been stolen in romance fraud since 2019. It's an incredible figure. Um, and in almost all, like over 70% of the victims of romance fraud are female. And last year, 2 million was stolen, up 25% on the previous year, 23% to be absolutely accurate. And so th- these people meet online, somebody overseas who they believe is genuine, they fall in love online and what have you. And then the fraudster starts kicking in, looking for money. Um, when they've gained their confidence and they think that the woman, by and large women, are in love with them. The, the, to cover the cost of travel, they ask them for money. I, I don't have enough, but I want to come and see you. Can you send me money? Money is sent and they do a legger. Uh, I, I'm, I'm unwell. I need an operation for medical expenses. Can you send me money? Um, and money is sent and they leg it. There's a business opportunity that I have and you can get in on it and the two of us can make an awful lot of money quick and then we can settle down and have a really great life together. The victim sends money and they leg it. So um, please be aware and please be, and particularly this week, because maybe people were looking for love this week with the fact that it was Valentine's and they may be online engaging with somebody overseas. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. 
Cork's Red FM. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and email neil at redfm.ie. Can I just mention, and I'll go to calls in a few minutes' time, I didn't get back to this yesterday, but Tripe and Drasheen were reporting, you know the hut, the busman's hut, which before that was used by Cork Electric Tramways and the lighting company. It was actually the hut originally for the city's firefighters uh, way back over 100 years ago. And then it was retired and it has been languishing above in Fitzgerald's Park for many a long year now, since 2002. And it's in an awful condition. It's an awful shame. Happy to say the Tripe and Drasheen broke the news yesterday that it could well be coming back. Um, and it's going to get a refurbishment. Um, and hopefully, I don't know whether they're going to put it um, but it certainly seems as if, according to um, uh, the Tripe and Machine article, that it could well be coming back and it's going to get a clean up and it's going to get a new lease of life, which is great news, actually, because, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you want minding and looking after. And it was there on Patrick Street for many a long year. Uh, and we spoke about it on the air uh, some months back. So hopefully it will be back again as to where it will be. I don't know, but it needs a bit of respect because right now it's just kind of in a, in a, in a dirty old yard or dirty old area. Uh, behind a fence up in Fitzgerald's Park. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. On Monday, we were talking about uh, incidents on Side over 30 years ago, uh, and it was deemed at the time and for many years afterwards the House of Horrors case. And on Monday, we looked back on the story of missing Corkman Frank Blackie McCarthy, um, on the 30th anniversary of his disappearance. His disappearance was followed soon after uh, with the disappearance of Cahill O'Brien and indeed uh, not soon, not soon and very at the same time, Kevin Ball. Cahill O'Brien was from Wexford and Kevin Ball was from Wales. And then some time later, significantly later, a fourth man, Dennis Patch O'Driscoll, vanished in December of 1994. Uh, and of course, another key name in all of these uh, stories and, and these events back uh, 30 years ago was Fred Flannery uh, who took his own life sometime afterwards. So on Monday we were looking at that story um, and over the course of the conversation the subject of the House of Horrors came up in quite some detail and that sparked um, uh, Blackie, uh, Blackie's sister um, to uh, get in touch by text. She got in touch with me. Um, they're going to build um, a crime call reenactment of the events um, on RTE in the coming months, I believe. Uh, but she did get in touch with me on Monday and I caught up with her. I caught up with her off air yesterday afternoon. There was a lot, of course, um, chat on air yesterday morning with, with various people because it was coming up on, in fact, it was the 30th anniversary, certainly of when um, your brother went, went missing, Frankie went missing. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, subsequently after that, we had Cahill O'Brien and Kevin Ball and the possible connection of Fred Flannery and Patch O'Driscoll. Yeah. Did you want to, did you just want to clarify some things? Well, I just want to say, first of all, like it was his 30th anniversary, Frank's 30th anniversary, not the House of Horrors. No, you're right. Yeah, that was later. Yeah. You know, that was months after, yeah. months, nearly a year yeah. for some of them, you know. And then when I didn't hear it, because I was actually off work, so I was staying in bed, and one of the girls were texting me, and they said it was on the radio, and they were saying kind of bad things, you know? Well, I suppose... So I and, I listened, and I listened to it again last night, said... Yeah. And are there areas that you wanted to pick up on? Well, no, I just wanted people to know, like, that he was never in that site. That man that came on yesterday, Morris, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. 
he was never, my brother was never in the homeless place or never had not have a bed to go to, you know? No, he lived He, he lived at home, didn't he? Yeah, he lived at home in Lodermore. He, he was only 23, like. He was, that's right, young fella. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and, and I know that you were one of the last, you and your ma'am were the last to see him on that day. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I was 18 and I was working out Wilton in a restaurant. So my brother asked me that morning, would I pick up a Valentine's card for his girlfriend at the time? Yeah. So I said, fine. Anyway, and I came home from work about six o'clock and he, I came in home and he was getting ready to go. She was out, going out to meet his girlfriend. And um, he said to my mum, uh, would you get my jeans? And my, I remember saying it, my denim jacket ready for Valentine's Day. It was a Friday night. He went out the door on the 12th of February. It was around six o'clock. Yeah. And he went out the gate and turned right. And that was the last I saw him. And what kind of form was he in? He was a great form. He, he was a good, he was always a good form. He'd have to go. He'd do anything for anyone. He must have been and in great form. I'm mean, just wondering, had he anything on his mind? Of course, he had the Valentine card and the fact that he wanted his clobber done for the Valentine's date. So there were good things happening. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was very strange. Very strange. And from the time he left the house to where he was supposed to go, would have taken about 20 minutes walk, I'd say. And then the papers were saying yesterday that he was asked to come out of prison and he was asked to meet his friends for drinking. Okay, well, here, here's what was being said, was that he had only recently been out of prison, that he had met a yeah. buddy in the Cotton Ball in the afternoon, yeah. went home, um, and was due to meet him again later in the Cotton Ball, and was walking down to the Cotton Ball and never made it. Yeah, that wasn't even true. And they said he was going down to Michael's business park, and it was all, I saw him going out the door, I saw the way he went, like, and he was going up to meet Jean, she used to live up in the flat in Mayfield across the road from the Cotton Ball. Yeah, yeah. And he had a daughter, like, she was three. And when did she realise that something was amiss? Something was wrong? Um, I think my mum kind of left to go till that following day, that, that night, you know, because he'd often go, no need to stay in the girlfriend's house, or he might stay out drinking or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he'd always contact my mum. He idolised my mum, like. When he didn't make and contact? Then, no, he, she got worried then. And we were all kind of saying, give it another way, give it another way. She was saying, no, no, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. And then she phoned the guards. And then about two, three weeks later, his dog went missing as well. Oh, my God. He had a dog. Then he was going everywhere with him. And, and then he was gone as well. Why do you mention Why do you mention the dog? I just think it's very strange, like, that the dog went missing, you know? Was the dog with him on the day he went missing? No. No, he was at home that day. You know, I'm just listening to what you're saying and just trying to get a, an idea as to what life was back in 93. Were there, were there, there were mobile phones. They wouldn't have been the greatest phones. Did he have a... No, I don't think, I was trying to think, I don't think there was mobile phones, but we did have a house phone at the time. Yeah, yeah. Mobile phones would we be fairly, yeah. Okay, there mightn't been a lot of them around. I mean, if there was, someone in the family would have had one, right? But he didn't. Yeah, someone would have had it. My dad always worked and everything. Like, you know, we weren't very poor or anything, you know. So there was a big guard investigation after that then, yeah? Uh, it was all right. Like, it wasn't great. Tell you the truth, like, compared to today, you know, someone goes missing, it's blown up, like. Was there any kind of any use? resources back then. Well, was there any use of CCTV footage? Was he ever picked up on any cameras around around Mayfield? No, or coming in? Yeah, checked. All the airports, they checked everywhere. Now, to be fair, and my dad was out morning and night checking scenes and everything, and there was nothing. And then um, 
we just kind of, my mum kind of went off the rails a bit then. With worry, is it? Yeah. I can imagine. One day your son yeah. is there, the next day he's disappeared off the face he's of the gone. planet. But there, my mum got a phone call then a couple of months later off a woman just saying that your son is dead, you bastard. Good God. Did she take the call? Um, I think it was my dad. Any I think I, it was my dad at the time. And was it just the one call? And, no, and that was it? That was it then, yeah. Did she recover yeah, from it? She did, she did. She just got very, very depressed, you know. Yeah, the apple of her eye, was he? Yeah, well, there were six of us. Mm-hmm. There were four boys and two girls, and he was the second eldest. And just to go like that, like, was terrible. Can I just ask you a little bit, because it was widely reported that um, that Frank knew Cahill O'Brien and Kevin Ball, and that there was yeah. that there was a connection that I don't know how well he knew them. Uh, I, I don't know, but shortly after he went missing, of course, we know because there was a witness to the killings of Cahill O'Brien and Kevin Ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. D- d- it was talk- well, he didn't know them. You say he didn't-, didn't know them at all. The only people we knew were that place or the, those people that went missing. I don't even want to be talking about the house or something. It's terrible even saying it. Would have been Fred Flannery because they lived around the corner from us and um, Patrick O'Driscoll because my mum would have known his brothers and sisters growing up, you know, but Frank wouldn't have been involved with Kevin Ball or Carl O'Brien or anything like that. He was gone about a year before anything came up about them. Yeah, I know, I'm just... And my father went to the state, the guard station because the papers were saying terrible things about him, that he was a drug dealer, and that he ran off with Michelle McCormick because she went missing in July. And my father went to the guard station and made the guards write out a statement that my brother was never involved in drugs, he never had any drug charges, he kept them all. Yeah, he had never been questioned or convicted of anything like that. No, nothing like that. No, he, I think... It was like petty things he did all right when no, he was but, younger, like, you but, know. But, but, what, but what if he did and you didn't know that he'd had a falling out or something happened between him and Flannery? Well, we didn't know anything about that anyway. I know, I know. And it's it's very unfair if, if, if over the course of time everything's kind of got a bit muddied, but the thought process was that he had some sort of a falling out with Fred Flannery and Flannery was clearly a psychopath, you know, clearly a psychopath, and killed yeah. Carl O'Brien, killed Kevin Ball, later killed Kevin, you know, buddy of your brothers, Patch O'Driscoll, because Patch was talking about having witnessed the killings of of Carl O'Brien and Kevin Ball, but that yeah, the talk was that Blackie McCarthy, your brother, was Flannery's first victim. That's what they were saying, yeah, but sure, there was no proof of that or anything. And as my mum and everyone said, sure, he went missing, Frank went missing in July. Patch went the following April. Yeah, yeah. Frank went missing in February, sorry. Yeah. But like, Frank was hanging around up by the flats and stuff, like, and he was a welder and he walked down the glen welding, and I just couldn't see the connection, you know? The families were way older than my brother, like, and Patch and Kevin Bourne. No, um, Carl O'Brien's father used to up to my parents. So he was searching for years and years and years. He'd come up yeah. regularly from Wexford. Yeah. Yeah, he called up to my mum and dad's house just to chat about him, like, you know, just to say that they were going through the same thing. Same pain. Yeah. So do, do you ever do you ever try and piece together the puzzle as to what possibly did happen then if you believe the story that's out there is wrong? No, 
I can't because it drives insane if you try to think of it. If you try to think what happened, you know. But so it obviously happened because no one, like no one, disappears into Chennai, you know. Can I ask no you? No one can leave the home and not just show up again for oh, thirty years. Absolutely like not. Not not if you have a three-year-old daughter and you love your mother to bits and your dad as well and yeah. your family. Oh no, you wouldn't. And just... he was granddaughter now as well. Like, and I know he died. He died his daughter. Like, and he's missing out on all that now, and we still have nothing. And I don't even think we'll ever have anything like. But do you believe that somebody knows? You know where we hear this all of the time that even 100%, years. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Someone knows something, and they're they're either afraid to tell us, or I don't know, just afraid to come forward in case they get into trouble, or I don't know. But even these ye- these years, tough. all these years later, you would think that maybe it might be safe now to come forward with information. That's what where we were hoping, Jesus, even 10, 20 years ago, someone was bound to pick up the phone and ring or say, just tell something, like even the guards were putting it out there, it's all confidential, like just, just tell us so we can bring them home. And that would add, end, I should say, the family's pain and torture, as you were saying yourself on your Facebook yeah. page on, on Saturday, you were talking about, please come forward, if you know anything yeah. at all, to end the family's pain. Yeah, that's all we want. You, you do you accept that he's uh, no longer living? Um, yeah. But if you were to I know, do. if you were to know where he was, for instance, you could give him a, a proper Christian burial. That's it. That's what we want. That's what everyone deserves at the end of the day. And can I ask you, Sylvia, are your mum and dad still alive? They are. My mum is. She'll kill me now for saying it. She's 80 um, this year. And my dad is 78. And do they, year, they're still alive. And do they think of Frank all of the time? Yeah. And wonder? Yeah. Yep. My mum is devastated. To this day, like... She's carried it. Very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be a lovely thing in their later years to have, as they say, closure and to find out where Frank is. So that, Just before they pass themselves, so even, you that, know? You know, so that they could get some peace, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially after 30 years, like, it's very long. And can I ask very you... long time. Can, can I ask you, did you know Frank Flannery at, or Fred Flannery at all? I know him from around, like, I would have been... Like, I was only 18 when Frank went missing, you know, and I've been working and stuff and around. Now, I would have known him from being around because one of their wives, would have been from the Mayfield area as well, and I would have known that family growing up as well. Okay, but, but you'd you, never kind of see him. You never you'd knew. Never see him you around. never knew Flannery yourself. Was he known around the area? There were two of them there. There were two brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I wouldn't be. You know, I wouldn't be friends or anything like that. You know, people would know him from the Mayfield area because we all know each other on Mayfield, like you know. But it's I just a- couldn't see the connection with my brother with them. You know, to this day, I can't see the connection. No, I could be wrong because I don't know. I could be 100% wrong. No one knows what goes on outside, like, you know. Well, I mean, I don't, clearly, I don't know. There, there was there was a witness, at least one witness, who claims that Fred Flannery made some admissions regarding uh, the, the Yeah, killing. he was supposed to have been talking about it in some pub or something. That's what they were saying on the, um, yeah. the papers and stuff, wasn't it? That's yeah. It. yeah. So they were saying terrible things about my brother on the paper years ago that he was, um, he was in a, um, I think he was in, there was someone, he was a drug dealer 
and she was buried in an unmarked grave. And they were all on, all over the papers years ago. Um, my dad kept them all, like you know, because when we were someone was saying to my dad, if he ever comes back now, yeah. Frankie, you know, you can sue the papers for all this slander, yeah, like you know. Yeah, yeah. But and they're but, just still up in the cupboard, like. But do your mum and dad think that there might be a knock on the door or a ring on the bell from Frank? I say my mum do. Still. Yeah, she probably hopes. Like. Do you find that very sad? Yeah. That'd break your heart, wouldn't it? Yeah, very sad. You were also saying, of course, that um, Frank has a daughter um, and it must be difficult yeah. because it's been talked about on the 30th anniversary and indeed the Gardaí making an, another appeal. How does she, Do you mind me asking, how does she deal with it all? Well, she was only three, you see, at the time. She's 33 now today and she has her own little daughter now, but she missed him terrible too. She'd love if he was in her life. But the fact that she didn't really, she don't really remember much of him, you know, because she was so young. Oh, sure, I know. She probably only has photographs to remember, is it? Photographs, and she's the image of him. So, as my mum always says, at least we have her now and we have her granddaughter as well, you know. And did I hear somewhere that it, it featured on Crime Call, is that right? No, um, there's a detective in the Mayfield area that got to call up my mum there a few weeks ago. And she was saying it to me that they want to um, bring it back up again, you know, because yeah. years and I said, Mam, I don't know, no, bringing all this up again, like, and stuff, you know, she said, I know, she said, what can I say, the man who keeps calling up to me and stuff. And then he was calling up to my sister and she, he asked my sister, was she going crime call and none of them were one then, of course, me then, like, I'd be the one, like, I'd be the talker of the family, like, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, will you do it? I, well, I called up to my mum last week and I seen him outside my sister's house and I drove up and I said, what's going on? He said, how are you? I said, I'm not. Like, I said, I can't go on. I said, I did it all years ago. He said about, you know, I was on your show and everything. Yeah, and I remember. I was on um, with Paul Byrne and everything. I said, yeah. I just gone past it. I said, it brings up all memories again. He said, look, this is your last shot. He said, will you please do it? And I just said, yeah. I'm delighted to hear that, Sylvia. I know it may be difficult yeah. for you and you might be a little bit anxious about doing it, but it's a great opportunity. Yeah. You just never know. Well done for getting yeah, the courage. Yeah, he said it to me. He said, you've no idea the amount of families that want to get on this. And I said, but look, I said, we tried everything 30 years ago. I said, where were you then? Like, But there could be somebody said, that might feel safer now 30 years ago, giving some sliver That's of evidence. What he said. That's what he said. He said someone might feel different now about it and they might just want to help you out if they see you on Crime Call now 30 years later. Yes, okay. He said it'll be pre-recorded like this now, which I would have been comfortable with. Like, oh, you know, but my totally. sister's going to come with me now and Frank's daughter is going to come as well. You never know what me, my, might come of it. Let's hope for the best. I know. What do you think? Hopefully. Hopefully something might come out of it. And if not, sure, all we can do is live in hope, like, you know. I know, I know. I know. It would be great to get some kind of, uh, some kind of solution. Closure. Closure is right, but some solution yeah, to this. Yeah, it's just the not knowing. It's the not knowing will kill you, like. I know. Sure, I know. I know. You'd be prepared yeah. for the worst, but at least you'd know. Yeah, exactly. That's it. All right. Okay. Listen, I know it's not easy. I do appreciate you coming on air. Sylvia, thank you so much. Your thoughts are with you and all of the family. Thanks very much, Neil. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. 
Cork's Red FM. And indeed, you can always email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Your calls and texts and emails are always welcome. There's another disturbing story there recently that I saw reported in Cork Bio and it had to do with JD Sports on Patrick Street. Apparently, it's in their terms and conditions for staff. But how many of you knew uh, that the staff at JD Sports on Patrick Street have been subjected to searches from management, including having to lift their tops just sufficient enough to view their stomach area. I know it sounds absolutely bizarre and workers were telling Cork Bio that it felt like they were treating us like animals. This, there are general rules there regarding, and I'm sure it's the same in many, many retail outlets. Uh, don't know that they go as far as JD Sports. Checking bags and jackets when staff are leaving. That's always been in place. Um, but they've ramped it up apparently because they claim there's been an increased level of theft at the Patrick Street store. Now, whether you could identify staff as thieving or you could identify customers as thieving, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but it doesn't actually involve any physical touching. But people are told to empty their bags, take off their jackets, lift their tops to show their stomach area in front of a manager before leaving. Uh, and workers then can also be told to roll their trouser legs and sleeves up and to roll their socks down. I mean, that's very embarrassing. And, uh, you know, uh, it feels like a violation of our privacy. That's what the staff were saying. Um, deemed to be unnecessary, um, uh, but it's unreasonable to submit to a search. You can't refuse. Uh, this is in the terms and conditions of JD Sports. It says those deemed to be unreasonably refusing to submit to a search will be dealt with through disciplinary procedures and it may lead to dismissal. Uh, so you, your bags are emptied by the owner. Your coat should be taken off and the pockets and sleeves should be turned inside out. <laughs> Trouser bottoms should be lifted to the knee. Socks should be rolled down. Trouser pockets should be emptied and turned inside out. Trousers should be pulled right up across the legs. Remaining top layers of clothing are to be individually raised just sufficient to view the stomach area and sleeves should be rolled up. So this is what's happening there. I, I'm curious as to whether other retail businesses engage in these kind of checks on staff or indeed if somebody listening to me has been through this or others similar to it, these kind of checks. Now there's no touching, there's no hands on the body but there's pretty much everything. But text 0868104106, and that's from JD Sports. It's not just the Cork outlet. It's all over the country. Text 0868104106. Just quickly, on the whole issue of 36 TDs and senators jetting off overseas for the St. Patrick's jaunts abroad. 74 cities, 44 different countries, and amongst them, of course, on Lee side, Simon Coveney, uh, Michael McGrath, Mihal Martin, and Senator Jerry Buttimer. Uh, there are the four corners. I mean, I could go through everywhere they're going, but I'll be here half the morning. But opposition TDs are certainly rounding on the government. It happens every year. But this is a this is a record now. We have never had so many as this year going overseas. I have no idea the cost. But I was quoting uh, Richard Boyd Barrett saying it's obnoxious that so many people um, are going away during a cost of living crisis when the record numbers of homeless and um, those numbers of people dependent on food banks record uh, Record numbers of people being driven into poverty by the cost of living and the housing crisis that so many would go off on a St. Patrick's Day jaunt. Um, I'm curious, in the middle of a cost of living crisis, as to what Sinn Féin make of it, because they're always uh, front and centre with criticism of the government, and rightly so, being the main opposition party. Tommy Gould, TD. Tommy, good morning. Let me just get my phone lines right. There you go. Tommy, can you hear me now? Good morning, Neil. Uh, these are record numbers, and Richard Boyd Barrett, I'm sure you'd have to agree, calls it obnoxious during a cost of living crisis. You see, Neil, people are just people are can't understand what the government are doing. People like you, you mentioned there, the cost of living crisis. 
Uh, people can't pay for electricity or gas. Uh, people are struggling to fill their cars with diesel, petrol and diesel or home heat and oil. And then they're looking at this. No, listen, on one sense, we can, we can say that going to America and Australia, places where we have a lot of businesses in Cork and a lot of business in Ireland, but like the amount of trips that are going away, people are looking at that and they're saying, like, is no the time to be to be going to so many places spending so much time. So, like, at normal times, um, a, a lot of people love that the Irish and St. Patrick's Day paraded and St. Patrick's Day celebrated all over the world. It's a real source of pride to the country. And it's especially our friends in America and Canada and Australia and even England. And it's a great thing for them to be able to... But they don't take a blind bit of notice of an Irish politician, a minister or no, a senator. No. I mean, they don't, they don't know and care. I mean, it's no, well, all very well, the shamrock going to Washington. But in fairness, look, Sierra Leone, Liberia, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, that's all a bit over the top. Korea, isn't it? Well, what you have, Neil, some of them, if, if they have strong needs from a business point of view, you can say so. But then other people are saying, and they're looking at the places you just called up, and they're saying, how can the government justify this? Like, we have a situation now where the amount of people who are using food banks has doubled. Doubled. These are ordinary families. And, and Neil, we have pensioners now who are afraid to turn on their heating, who are going to bed at night, and then they're saying, people are, people are they're angry. The average angry. rent on Leaside now in the city is just under €1,800 Euro a month. That's average. Obviously, there are others that are higher. That's 15% higher than last year. Yeah, Neil, and we, we raised that in the door, and I spoke about it myself. Uh, like, I'm on the housing committee. Like, every year, rents are going up. Like, how is that affordable? You show me a family uh, that can afford to pay that kind of money, an ordinary family that I'm talking about. Like, you... you Era, well-paid uh, jobs couldn't, would, would struggle to pay energy costs yeah. and rental costs. And the thing about it, Neil, like, what, like if you're an ordinary family, you know, and your rents have gone up 15% in one year, and the thing is, it wasn't just this year. Rents have gone up every year by similar, by 10%, 12%. And people are there now. Neil, there are people... I, I was in my clinic on Monday. And of the 18 people I met on Monday, 13 of them was about housing. Mm. It was about either being evicted, looking for housing, either social housing or affordable housing. And like we have a government saying, this is how old it touched the hour ordinary people. Um, like... Pierre Starty, we were in the dial yesterday and we proposed a, a, a spring um, bonus, like the Christmas bonus for families. And we also proposed for people like uh, the working, like Neil, you talk to people here now, they're, they're kind of trapped in the middle people. The husband and wife are working, they're, uh, they're trying to pay their rent, they're trying to pay all their mortgage, they're trying to pay, pay childcare. They're working and you have nothing left at the end of the week. And a lot of people are having to go to money lenders, the credit union, or parents. Are money lenders, and, are money lenders very prevalent on side? Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah, and the problem... At exorbitant are, rates of interest, is it? Yes, and they've gone, some of them have gone underground where your people lending money that they're not... There's no regulation around them. But it's like this need. If you have no money to pay your rent this month or if you're stuck for money um, to, to, pay, to pay a bill, you have no choice. And like, what we're looking for, we, we really think there needs to be a spring bonus now brought in that not just supports people, pensioners and low parents and people with disabilities, but also for people who are working, for people who are trying to pay energy bills, electricity, gas, 
diesel. Like at the end of this month, are, are you talking about more two hundred euro credits? Is this on electricity and things? Well, what we would do, Neil, is we would tap the uh, electricity until the end of May at two thousand and one levels. Like, we have a comprehensive plan, and it comes to two billion, just over two billion euros. And what would you and do? What would you? Because I'm under pressure for time, as I'm sure you are. What would you do if you were in government with regards to these uh, St Patrick's Day jaunts? Seventy-four cities, forty-four countries, thirty-six TDs and senators. Jerry Buttermer's off to Sierra Leone and Liberia. What in the name of God, Eamon Ryan is doing to the? Somebody says to me, Eamon Ryan going to China, the biggest polluters on the planet, and the worst human rights records. What would you? What would Sinn Fein do about that? Well, we would certainly be going to places like America and Australia because the places where there are jobs, the places where there are tens of thousands of Irish people, we think that's justified. But the point is, going, where is it, 74 different cities, like, people are looking at the government saying, is no the time to be... Oh, you have people who can't get occupational therapy, speech and language for their children. We have people uh, who are on waiting list for operations. I was talking to a lady uh, the other day, she was telling me she has to go to Belfast to get a hip operation, and not all of it will I be know, covered. I know, I know. And she has to get a loan of 4,000. The credit you know, but, they, but, they, but they do say that we get business back. They claim that we get business back from these countries that they visit. That's what they and claim. Neil, some of them we do. Some of them we do, and some of them we need to bring that gold of shamrock to America and keep Ireland, uh, keep Ireland front and centre, and that needs to be done. But the point is, what well, people people are hurting right now, and they're angry, and they're seeing, they're asking the government for help. The government aren't helping them, and then they see the government doing this, and they get really annoyed. Okay. I, okay. I, I, I think you can do some of this, Neil, and I think it has to be done. Some of it, but not this much. And the point is, if you can't get a medical card, I have a lady who's talked to you and resolves the limit for the medical card, and then she's looking at this. How can the government justify that? Okay, thank you for that. As always, Tommy Gould, TD, Sinn Féin, TD. Uh, a lot of people texting on this with regards to the TDs and Patrick's Day junkets. Text 0868104106. They don't deserve to travel anywhere. They're just a bunch of dossers, is one of them. We'll pick up on more of those after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, 36 TDs and senators will jet away to 77 cities and 44 countries. I don't know what the tab will be. I don't know how much it'll cost. We're certainly talking in millions. We were in touch with uh, the Cahirlach of the Shannon, uh, Jerry Buttermer, there just a few minutes ago. He will travel to Sierra Leone and Liberia and said that when we asked him about it, he said it's a matter for the Minister for Foreign Affairs who puts the programme together. He says, I was asked as Cahirlik of the Shannad, would I be available? And that was the end of his statement. Of course, if you were on air, I'd ask him, you know, you're not obliged to uh, say that you are available or you could say something along the lines of, you know, during a cost of living crisis when people are pinned to their collar, uh, I will decline to travel overseas because it just isn't right. Uh, but I didn't get an opportunity to chat with him. He was asked about the Cahirlock, would he be available? And that's the end of the statement. The government junkets, with the biggest junket being done by Eamon Ryan, shows us that they couldn't care less about emissions and the climate narrative is nothing but a taxation excuse for the Green Party. Now, Eamon Ryan will go to Singapore, Hong Kong, and over to China. I suppose they'd claim 
Hong Kong has been part of China. So uh, Hong Kong, Beijing and Shanghai, they're serious polluters. I wonder if he's going over there to teach him a lesson or to give him a lecture. Uh, the TDs are doing like the rest of us, holidaying elsewhere. Nobody will be spending money on holidays in Ireland this year. I certainly won't and won't be for many years, says Noel in Castle Magna. Is that because of the cost of, uh, you know, um, holidaying in Ireland now? Um, imagine that's probably the main reason. Marie says... What is what has taken them there, all of these different countries? It's a total disgrace. And there are people out there who can't afford the heating and the food prices going up so much. Who is paying for all these trips? Well, you should know. Taxpayer. They should bring them from other countries to show them our country, not the other way around. They'll be all off with plenty of money in their pockets. If they had any backbone, they would look after and care for their own people. Look at our people who have nowhere to live. I'm totally disgusted by them. Uh, These ministers never come back and say, well, we signed X number of companies and X number of contracts to come to Ireland. Or they never say, we got contracts for whatever, and this will benefit Ireland. Or we made progress on the undocumented in America. Or we set up a plan for Americans to work in Ireland. We never hear a word just what they spend, like how the Foreign Affairs Department spent 400 grand on wine last year. <laughs> I'm not so sure whether that, I haven't fact-checked that figure, Desi, so I'm uh, assuming you're correct in that. That's an incredible amount of money. Um, one or two more. It goes to show that our so-called government are jetting off for Paddy's Day without a care in the world, while the Irish people must foot the bill for them and their entourage. How many will travel with them? Probably, maybe even family members. It just goes to show that they don't give a damn about the Irish people while we struggle to make ends meet. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, Colin, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. What are your um, thoughts on it? It happens well, every year, but this year is just off the charts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an eye-watering list and, and uh, destinations. Absolutely eye-watering, given that, I, I suppose, look, it's at the very least insensitive I would say. Putting it mildly, I would think. Putting it mildly. Well, yeah, that's exactly, at the very least, insensitive. And maybe you can shed a bit of light on this, Neil. If uh, I'm not sure. No, I don't even know who the, um, the Attorney General is, so it's not a personal thing. But why the Attorney General is, is packing his bags, I'm not so sure. The but Attorney General is uh, Rosa Fanning um, going right. to Argentina and Chile. Very nice. Yeah, the Count Corla of the Sha- of the Dáil uh-huh. goes to mm-hmm. Lebanon. Uh, I, I okay. suppose these would be un- unelected. The rest would be elected yeah. s- uh, senators, yeah. Um, yeah. TDs, ministers, and ministers of state. There's a fortune of yeah. ministers I, of state. I think th- they've missed a, a, an opportunity in showing real leadership in saying, right, this year we're going to actually scale it back. They've done the opposite, like you know, and and, and maybe look. In, in their own hearts and minds, maybe they they, they 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 really feel that it's the thing to do. I don't know. I can't. It's to me. I, I it's it just doesn't make sense. And and it's it, it is quite insensitive because everyone in the country now is suffering to various different degrees. You know, some more or less than others. You know. You see, people would have, people would have been you know very glad to hear. Um, our, our leaders, our government, our TDs, minister for say, senators saying, this is not the year to be going around in any huge numbers. Yes, go to Washington, you know, maybe maybe go to New York or, you know, go to the UK, possibly Australia. But park it, like, not 44 countries and 74 cities. Like some of them, like one New Zealand, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, that's one trip. Look at Simon Coveney. 
Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Canberra, Perth. Maybe they make bus. Maybe they draw more business for Ireland. Do you think? I would say to, to a certain degree, definitely. And and there's also two. I mean, yes, definitely the United States for sure. And if you can get your foot in the door of the White House, by all means, go for it. You know, be, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, we've got a lot of foreign direct investments from the USA, so it, it's you know it's important to look after these people. And definitely, I'd be you know definitely tipping my hat to these guys over there. But um, yeah, I mean, look, it's just it seems extreme at, at a very bad t- the timing. Is is, is shocking? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, from a from a t- from a tactical point of view, I mean, maybe they think it's curtains for them in, in the next election and I don't know. I mean, you know, you don't want to be wrong, <laughs> wrong in them either, like, yeah. but it's, it, I don't know. Maybe they feel that before Paddy's Day, Pat St. Patrick's Day 2024, that there's going to be an election. Who knows? Yeah, like you I know? said, use this opportunity for a getaway. It mightn't come again. It might. It could be a long, long time. All right. A okay. lot of these people may, may be retired from politics by the time they, you know, um, so I don't know. Um, but certainly there are destinations I'd say yes always go for it but given this our current situation that everybody knows it's no secret that like families people are struggling for Mm, sure mm, that's for for mm. definite and then this happens thank you for that it's in eye-watering. On that note, Neil, that's really all I have to say. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I was, you know, I listened to the list and it's, yeah, but I, but I was saying, crikey, not picking on any particular individual now for sure, but I was saying, well, why did the Attorney General have to go? Like, well, you know? the Attorney General's on the list as well, as is yeah, um, the Keon Corla and, you know. and the Cahillag of the yeah. Shannon. Okay, mm-hmm. thanks for that, so, Colin. Appreciate it. Uh, it's extraordinary that Eamon Ryan's choice or wherever he's being sent is China, isn't it? I mean, that's interesting that the Green Minister or indeed... Uh, the minister for the environment will be going to a country like China, un- unless it's to, <laughs> unless it's to give them a lecture, as I say. But anyway, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. It's been a while since I chatted with you. So, what do you make of it? Um, an absolute joke. You don't think that they drum up business for Ireland? Um. Well, what I was considering there, like I said earlier on, we'd say if you were an estate agent and you were trying to sell a house. Right, and you were putting your house on the market. You got an estate agent, and someone expressed an interest. And the estate agent calls over and says to the potential buyer, "Well, this is what it looks like. You don't have to go and see it, but this is what it looks like. It's kind of like online shopping. This is what Ireland is like, but you don't really see it. You'd have to come over. I mean, if you want to promote the country, bring them here. You bring them over here, yeah. not the other yeah, way around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody wants to be seen. They're ugly mugs. Like, yeah. well, that you know, that would be a sensible approach. I'm, I'm sure that the IDA and Enterprise Ireland probably do all of that anyway. You know. Yeah, but I mean, it's like online shopping. We'd say, like, if you wanted to buy a pair of shoes, you can buy them online. You can look at the picture. And you can look at the description, but there's nothing like going into the shop well, and trying them true. on. that is true, that is true. I mean, people are annoyed at it every year, but they're very annoyed. And as the papers put it this morning, the government is being slammed that every single cabinet minister will be away for St. Patrick's Day. And something like 19 or 20 ministers of state, not to mention ministers and indeed the Taunishta and the Taoiseach. Um, 
I won't go through the list of them because it's way too long. The different countries. Mm. I mean, pick just stick a pin anywhere in the in the in the map of the world, and you'll you'll find an Irish politician there for St. Patrick's. But I mean, Can, I mean, Neil. On top of that, sorry for interrupting you, but I mean, on top of that, a lot of those countries. There's well, not a lot, but there's a few on that list that we're giving foreign aid to. So they're hardly going to be making foreign direct investment when we're giving them money to survive. Do any spring to mind? Are you talking those on the African continent, for instance? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, okay. being realistic about it, and on a positive note, I'd like to report from Rag Week, as I usually do every year. Kent Brockman, my two cents. So far, this year, it's been absolutely brilliant. That's and probably worth repeating, night. actually. It's probably worth saying that again. It was abs- it's been absolutely fantastic and I was dreading Sunday night because it was recycling bins. I said, right, get up Monday morning now and there'll be bins all over the road. Right. There was nothing. Okay. I thought last night would be in Valentine's. Everyone would be loved up. There was no noise. So credit where credit is due. For those that don't know, Anthony lives on the College Road and for many years has put up with all sorts of grief with regards to parting students. You you went so far as to say that this year's batch of students are the best behaved that you can remember. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. I'm so delighted Absolutely to hear that. Fantastic. I really am. And why do you think it's different? Better? I don't know. I think maybe, maybe because... Things went a bit mental during lockdown and there were students that stayed on even during the summer and stuff like that. I think everybody's attitude has kind of changed and even not just students, people's behaviour has changed in general. There's was there any new, yeah, I know that, but was there any new initiatives put in force by Students Union? Let's give them some credit or indeed the college. Oh yeah, they handed out flyers there this day last week and they said it was starting on Sunday night. They gave an emergency phone number that was open until 4pm and they said to report any antisocial behaviour. That comes out every year. But they put posters up on polls now as well not to be knocking over bins and this, that and the other. And so far it seems to be doing the trick and I like to give credit where it's due. And I mean, all along down through the years we all know it only takes a tiny few to spoil it for yeah, all of them. No, I'm delighted you know what I mean? That. No, I'm delighted. And I'll credit you to all of the player, the key players in this uh, who've made it better. So everyone's getting a good night's sleep. You, ho- hopefully that will continue across tonight and, and Thursday night and, and Friday night. I think so. Okay. I mean, I thought Sunday night was going to be a nightmare because usually, especially if it's a recycling night for the bins, you know they're going to be all over the road the following morning. Okay. But okay. there was nothing, not even noise. And I thought last night would everybody loved up for Valentine's. No, no yeah. not a peep. Yeah, okay, okay. No, Actually, a, 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 bouncer, a bouncer's been in touch. He says a bouncer who works in one of the biggest nightclubs in Cork has been in touch with us this morning saying things have been relatively calm as well. But he says Thursday will be the telling night. Thursday yeah. is the night to watch out for. Are you concerned about Thursday? And if so, why Thursday? Well, Thursday is traditionally always the night, the worst night, even if it's not rag week, just during the term in general. Right. But okay. So far this year anyway, it's been, and credit where it's due, as I said, it's nice to accentuate the positive Listen as well. Listen on that so positive note. Fair play to yeah. them. Look after yourself. Cheers, Anthony. As all always. the best, Neil. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Although I did get a text from a bus driver who says, there was a rag week smell of pee and drink on my bus last night. There was no CCTV working upstairs. Why, like, can they not get everything to work for you guys? So I couldn't see them, but they were acting like animals. I had people who wanted to get on the bus and the students were going wild upstairs. So people who wanted to get on just walked away and said they'd wait 
till the next bus. People were trying to get home from work and couldn't even get on the bus because the students were going mental. Empty vodka bottles were rolling around the stairs and there was no security around for us coming in from CIT to town. Generally, though, it was a quiet night last night. It was just that run into town around half past eight was the bad one. I could only imagine what it was like for the night drivers on the 2.20 last night uh, when they were all peeling out of the pubs. So thank you for that. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Hold on there, John. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Just as a by the way, it's uh, just being announced that Nicola Sturgeon is set to resign as Scotland's first minister. Apparently she's giving a press conference at 11 o'clock this morning. She's been quoted as saying, I've had enough. I've had enough. She's been in quite an amount of hot water uh, in recent times and the more recent tricky issue she's been dealing with in recent months includes the uh, bill on gender recognition, the issues of transgenderism. Uh, so she's had enough and will resign, she says in a press conference at 11 this morning. Uh, lines are open, text 0868104106. We have a Vox from the streets of Middleton actually on the St. Patrick's Day junkets in a couple of seconds time. But John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Thanks for holding. Um, this is a record year of trips abroad at a time, of course, of uh, serious economic crisis at home. Your thoughts? Well, it wouldn't make any difference to them because they wouldn't recognise that it was slapped in the forward. Economic but, uh, crisis uh, or hardship? It means nothing to them. They're, they're protectors. Their pensions are protectors. Their wages are protectors. Their expenses are protectors. So, hey, what's to worry about? Um, uh, without uh, without, but, but without would, wanting to hone would, in, go on. All right, go ahead. I'll keep but, my own mouth shut. Yeah, but I, w- I would question uh, uh, Eamon Ryan's decision to, to go to China with a record on human rights and pollution. That's off the scale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe, maybe that's over. why he's going there. I can't fathom I, it always. I, I thought maybe he was going over to see could he get cheap coal from them to, uh, other than uh, they're bringing in shiploads of us uh, from Colombia for the power station in Dublin. You know? While, while the rest of the people are told that they can't burn a bag of coal. Mm, mm, mm. Or people you know, in, the like country, I mean, in, the, in the country <laughs> being told, you can't buy turf, you have to say you got a, you got a gift of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 but not alone that. This is a man now that has told us like, that our carbon emissions are, are off the scale and, and, and the rest of it, and we're, we're paying through the tonsils for it. So he's, he's, how many flights does he have to take to go to China? Yeah, work it out. I mean, work it out. He's got yeah. to do a couple of connecting yeah. anyway. So he'll probably, that's yeah, probably why he's going yeah. to Singapore. So he'll go to Singapore first, stop off there yeah. for a junket, and then off to probably then Hong Kong and from Hong Kong to mainland China, I'd imagine. Yeah, like outside of the cost. What about the carbon footprint? No idea. This is a man, no. This is a man, no. That's, that's uh, after putting policies in place. Uh, which will be there after he's gone in the next election. But you see, uh, he's, done the, he's done the donkey work for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and they'll turn around afterwards and they'll throw their hands up and say, well, it was Eamon Ryan brought that and it had nothing to do with us. But, Roger, uh, Roger O'Gorman is going to India and when he's there, he'll be in Delhi, Mumbai and Bangladesh and over to Dhaka. Beautiful country, mm. I'd love to travel, but major polluters as well. Absolutely, but it will be interesting if uh, Eamon Ryan will bring up any human rights issues uh, of Tibet of, of when he's talking to the Chinese. Uh, he wouldn't be allowed. It's really to fly the Irish flag in a positive way, isn't it? To try and drum Where, up business. In, China? in all of these but countries, in all 44 yeah, countries. Yeah, yeah but the, the, the major recipients of the, the, of the passports for sale has been China. They're, they've been the biggest uptake on, on the 2 million uh, euro uh, passport uh, sell-off. Mm, mm, mm. That's been scrapped so, now, like, you know that. 
No, it's just, for now, is it because of uh, uh, what you call it, public outcry, is it? Do, do, no, I think they, they must have been alarmed at the amount of Chinese applicants for some extraordinary reason. I actually don't know, it's just been announced that... Yeah, but it will be, it'll be interesting golden how visa. many of the ministers... It will be interesting how many of the ministers have TikTok on their... On their uh, on their business phone that the that the country are paying for. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'd even ha- I would even want to hazard a guess at the cost of it. Yeah. Look, we we have politicians that are not up to it. Let's face it. We all know it. Let's 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 call a spade a spade. They're not up to it. They they can't think outside the box. Even though later than yesterday they they tried to pull another stunt uh, with something that they had agreed and then went back on it and only for the likes of Matty and, and another guy whose name escapes me at the moment, we'd hear nothing about it because they stood up in the dial and challenged them. Mm, mm. Don't know we, what that was, do you know? Oh, it, it, it was to do with uh, um, some agreement about uh, something to do with Ireland. But sure, Ireland is, is, uh, is being trodden into the dust. Our tax receipts, okay, but don't go off on a tangent. But our tax receipts are very high, are very strong. You know, it's just that the cost of everything has gone mental. That's the problem. Yeah, but you're, yeah, but you listen. There's no good if you have a, f- a full forward down below and he's scoring ten goals and the defence are leaving in nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's mean you forget about it. Yeah, well, I think we're the match going, would be if, the, if your man up front is scoring 10 and the defence are then letting in 11, you lose the match. Yeah, yeah I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going nowhere. We're going nowhere. Let me have we're a listen. Going over, we're, we're going over with what we have running the country. And what's the... Oh, and so, okay, so what's the option? We need people with a business brain in there, not teachers who are accustomed to doing to- things by the book who can't think outside the box. But it's, it's the civil servants, the, seri- the senior civil servants that run the country. To a large extent, well, yeah, politicians' I'm, hands I'm, are tied. I'm aware of that, but, uh, but there's no, there's no uh, what you call it, None of them guys standing up in the door uh, representing uh, the people and you have the situation where you have local guys who want to speak up on behalf of, of their constituents and they're silenced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was, like, silence, was, silence was never a, a, a good idea when you're trying to get anything done. The big anger about this, of course, is that they're nothing more than glorified junkets, people say, amid the cost of living crisis. Thanks for that, John. I took to the, we took to the streets of Cork yesterday. I was accused on air yesterday it was by Noreen by ignoring to my peril East Cork and never visiting, um, I think it was Carrick Tool and Middleton were mentioned. So yesterday, Seamus did travel to Middleton just to pick up with people with regards to uh, these uh, these junkets overseas, um, TDs and senators, ministers, junior ministers, senators, the whole lot of them, uh, Attorney General, off for St. Patrick's Day. So here's what people in Middleton had to say about that yesterday. Hang on a second, let me get back together here. Uh, here it is, sorry. All my bags are packed, I'm ready to go, I'm standing here outside your door. 26 seems a lot, but I presume they do a lot of work in that period as well and bring his investment into the country. I am expecting that they will be outside there doing doing their bit and piece for the, for the Irish nation, the Irish country, and that they'll be, um, that they'll, they'll, that they will get benefits out of it. That's what I'd hope. I'm not saying I'm right in that, but that's what I'd hope. As the cabin man living in Cork, they should sit home and look after it their own business. So you're saying they should be careful with our money? Well, the cabin man is always careful with money. <laughs> St. Matthew's Day was a, a day for prayer and respect mm. and Irish. But now we're, we're a disease all over the world. We spread our wings. 
and we're following our disease. Emigration. Well, I think there are lots of links already between a lot of those countries and we have good ties with them. They don't need to advertise, you know, on ins- on our national day. They should be here, wearing green, with us all. And what about their carbon footprint? That's another issue. Are the green, any of the greens going? Yeah, Eamon Ryan. All right, right. Yeah, he's going to Singapore, China, Hong Kong, Beijing and Shanghai. Well, now that, that list tells itself. But they're all bike-friendly countries. When they get there, no doubt they'd be cycling. I think our government and our politicians should just stay in their own country and look after their own people. You know, we're in a financial difficulty at the minute with housing, you know, our hospitals, everything is, is in a state, really. So I think our politicians shouldn't be leaving our country. They should stay and look after their own people. Look after their own country first. Jerry Bottomer, for instance, he's going to Sierra Leone and Liberia. Do you think there'd be much of an investment that they'd be making here? can't imagine the will, or I can't imagine we'd be exporting much to Sierra Leone or Liberia. Not for my, no, I can see America, all right, maybe uh, some European countries being beneficial. But other than that, I think, no. Like in Australia, you've got Simon Coveney, he's, he's gone to Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Canberra and Perth. Well, I would consider him, all right, a good idea for him travelling. He's the Minister for Enterprise. So I would say yes. He should travel. He'd certainly be one of the first people to be travelling. If they can drum up, that's his job. Like Michael McGrath, then Chicago, Toronto. Yeah, he's Minister for Finance now. Mm. So I possibly he would be. Uh, I would see the Minister for Public Expenditure as well, Tishik Tonishta, and Minister for Enterprise. They would be, in my view, the fine, the five top targets that should be going. Yeah. Absolutely no way. They should be sending us on holidays instead. <laughs> So you don't think it's worth them going away to try and boost our, our, our economy investment into Ireland? I'm jealous of them, but that's, that's as much as I know. Yeah. Well, is it costing a lot for them to go these places, I suppose? Well, it's our money. Exactly. For us. I sure. think it's just a treat for them. I don't think it's going to make any difference to our lives. I hate to go. I hate to go. They're going under protest. We have a Twitter poll up at the moment, actually, thanks to the people in Middleton yesterday. And the Twitter poll says, should so many politicians be travelling abroad in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis? And their poll is still open for another few hours. But so far, the hundreds and hundreds that have actually voted on the Twitter poll say no. 77% said no. Uh, so many politicians should not be travelling abroad in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis. 77% said no. 23% have said yes. And I'd love to know of the reasons why people would be saying yes. Um, Rob, who lives in Canberra, um, is on line two and I think may have uh, insight into uh, what happens uh, when St. Patrick's Day comes around in Australia. Rob, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my man. A little bit of delay from the land of Oz, but um, we're focusing on the cost of living crisis in Ireland with so many politicians going all over the world, including uh, Australia and the like. So your thoughts on that as a man living there? Oh, look, I can understand people, you know, focusing on the cost of living crisis. I mean, it's sort of like that here in Australia as well, Neil. Um, And look, I was part of, known as this, uh, years ago, 10 to 20 years ago, the Irish Australian Business Association in Canberra the capital and look there were many events and and St Patrick's Day was usually the big event um, you know at the Irish Embassy where you would have ministers from Ireland there that the local 
business people. You'd have IDA, Enterprise Ireland, um, the ambassador, of course, and all the associated persons. And mm. sure, it wasn't, you know, people could look at these things and think it's a junket, but everyone do enjoy themselves at this these sorts of events. Oh, I'm delighted before. they enjoy themselves at the taxpayer's expense, you know, Rob. But look, the, the return on investment, Neil, um, you couldn't underestimate. I mean, it brings people together. It does business. There's business uh, deals come out of these things. Um, you know, they're not just sit around and do nothing. It's an, And it's really the big day of the year is Paddy's Day is a day that, you know, the whole of Australia to a certain extent would focus on, on Ireland. And, um, I mean, it's a terrific day to be able to try and do uh, to get deals across the line, to negotiate what's going to happen for the next round of, um, okay. you know, uh, whatever can be. So, 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 so typically, if Simon, if Simon Coveney's in Australia, say Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane or Canberra or Perth, or indeed, uh, as an example, Charlie, Charlie McConnell would be in New Zealand, in yeah. Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch, and they're at all of these functions, what are they doing at these functions and who are they meeting and shaking hands with? Well, they'd be shaking hands with the, the IDA, uh, and I'm not sure exactly what the latest, uh, uh, you know, representatives are of Ireland in the at the moment, presently. But it used to be IDA, Enterprise Ireland, yeah. etc. Yeah, they would be. They would have their their heads there as well. It, it brings and ministers, Australian ministers, would be there also. So you've got like a, a one for one at the same level. No, I know, but what, what are they doing? Are they hustling for business? I mean, the IDA can do that. Enterprise Ireland can do that. What are the what are the like what are the polit- What would they do? It, what do they physically do? Business it brings it brings business people to the table that might might not otherwise come there, Neil. And I mean, if you were to put how much is spent there versus the benefits to Ireland and the Irish people, it couldn't be underestimated. I mean, it would get deals across the line. These are how things, it's walk the walk and talk the talk. This is part of what business is all about. And, and I think it's the one day of the year, just the one day on St. Patrick's Day, that they do all come together. And um, look, uh, it's, you could say, well, look, we won't, we won't um, have any uh, meetings, etc. And it might be right. You say, well, they don't really need that. It can happen anyhow. But look, uh, these things, they can be the catalyst for for, for other things that, that you couldn't really put your finger on at the time, that new deals, new ways of thinking and that type of thing. Um, and it's really just that one day, it used to be in my experience, and um, I could see that, 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 that things started to work. You and know, you, and you know of possible. situations where businesses did invest in Ireland following the visit of uh, Irish politicians to different Australian well, cities? Going back a long way, but yes. And the, and the thing is, you know, sometimes there's a lot of regulatory hurdles, as you know, uh, to do deals, etc. And of course, if you've got ministers and their PAs and whatnot there, they can always be talking to those in, as well as IDA and Enterprise Island, etc. I mean, they don't know all the answers. And sometimes it has to sort of get to that ministerial type um, answers and whatnot that can always be maybe... But should it be loads of, there be loads of politicians and ministers of state and senators wouldn't have a clue about the hurdles or how to grease the wheels of business? Well, they wouldn't have an idea. To a certain extent, yeah, I agree. To a certain extent, I agree. But they've got their PAs there with them. They've got the person that can communicate with the, um, with the you know, these particular organisations. But, you know, I mean, um, it's the figurehead. It's the, it's the, right. it's, it's... 
the it, it's the, the camaraderie, it's the, that sort of thing. And I mean, it, it's a sort of a, it's a catalyst. It's sometimes it's not a tangible thing, but I can assure you, in my opinion, you know, for how many of a thousand euros that it costs, I'm sure you the multiply factor will be many, many, many times. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And tell me, just before I let you go, what's your connection to Ireland, or indeed your connection connection to Cork? To Cork. Uh, well, I'm married to uh, my wife, Catherine McCauley, from East Cork, from um, from Tool, Middleton, Waterock, not the Car- uh, Catherine Motherway. Yeah. Where did you meet? Where so did you guys up. meet? Then were you here? Was she there? I'm a land surveyor, and my wife's a nurse, and we met in Perth, Western Australia. Right. Have you uh, been to Ireland? Ago. Did you visit her part of the world? Many times, Good. probably a dozen times. Yeah, love it there. My second home is fantastic. We were married in Middleton. So, good, yeah. good. Look after and, uh, yourself and thanks yeah. for listening. Thanks for taking the call, Rob. Cheers, right. my man. Hello to all, all the McCarthy's there in Middleton and the Dunleys in Middleton and everyone in Carrie Tool in Rhinohern Place in Carrie Tool. Excellent. Well said. Look after yourself. Take care. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Uh, Kieran by text says, hopefully Eamon Ryan will travel by balloon via the USA to China. <laughs> ah, that's very unkind. That's very unkind. Well, certainly by balloon, he'd have zero carbon footprint and just be relying on the wind. By the time he gets there, though, it probably would be Halloween. Now, well, they might use a little bit of gas in the balloon. I get that. But by the time he gets there, I tell you one thing, St. Patrick's Day be well and truly over <laughs> by balloon around the world in 80 days. Uh, incidentally, I know I was mentioning Lilt uh, earlier on this morning. Um, uh, ju- just to clear up any confusion, the actual taste of it will still remain, they're saying, right? But the name of it will change. I was telling you about uh, Lilt. They're rebranding it. You know, for years it was the totally tropical taste. And of course, very much, very much copyrighted. You might recall back in the day ads like this. Lobsters over there. Lilt. Totally tropical taste. So this week now it's going to be known as Fanta, Pineapple and Grapefruit. According to Coca-Cola, it still tastes the same, but for some extraordinary reason, they're getting rid of that beautiful multicoloured can or bottle with lilt on it and all of the, you know, even listening to the ad, actually, you can feel the heat on the sun on your back, can't you? Yeah, I know. It's, 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 I love lilt. Like, you weren't drinking it. No, I I actually, it would be something that I would pick. That's why I was going to, that's why I jumped in, because I'm amazed by how many people said I haven't had it in years. Yeah, so it's pointless now crying over spilt lilt. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Send it to the papers. They'll be all over it. No, there's, it was, it's just funny. Like you disgusting, were, disgusting, Susie. Yeah, I know. No, no. Yeah, you want to throw, that, throw that a shot of Malibu out, into it, you know all about it. That fizzled yeah, yeah. out years ago. There's people down in Middleton. There's something about the people down so in Middleton. So Fanta, but grapefruit and pineapple. It just, it just doesn't have the same lilt, does it? No, to it? It, just no doesn't it doesn't. Have the same but um, it was just funny because you were talking earlier about male contraceptives and there was a rumour, a very kind of, this was the famous rumour when I was young about lilt, that lilt killed your sperm that was the rumour yeah, about Lilt obviously say. total nonsense do you know when it was launched 
I've no idea. 1975. I thought it was older than that. No, 75. It was yeah. huge in the 80s, but I suppose it was just was it just tapered off, fizzling out. I wonder did that, that rumor uh, help? Although, like some, I'm sure some fellas probably had rude awakenings when that's they drank a, a bottle of Lilton and found it's a good joke. The some of the male contraceptive <laughs> pill that's going to be available. You take it uh, 30 minutes before doing the deed. Malcolm says, "I've been using a male contraceptive pill for years." Um, well, it's not a pill. He says, "I put a small." pebble in my shoe and it makes me limp he thought he was going to say it's his personality <laughs> <laughs> oh no there were awful jokes about accountants years ago and you know how they uh, you know you, you're like how do you um, you know, are you sure now? <laughs> Be careful. Sure. Though. It had to do with you know the best contraception is for an accountant is their <laughs> personality. No disrespect. No Yeah, I love it, and I, I'll be. I'll be. Obviously, look. They say that it's going to be the same Have thing. You got, but I, when did you last buy a bottle of? I'd say about a week ago. Oh, okay. I do okay. actually really enjoy then. it. No, I do. I have to say, but I just think I think it's only an excuse to change the recipe. I have an awful feeling we're going to have uh, something different down the line. But well, I hope the good people at the Coca Cola Company and Fanta prove me wrong. Okay, do a taste challenge then, and hold on to an old bottle of it and compare it to a new bottle when it's known as Fanta. Um, well, we already have Fanta, but it's a particular Fanta flavor. Uh, meanwhile, can I? Don't mind. Can I just stay with with trademarks and copyright and stuff like that? Isabella, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? You have a company called Funky Cakes by Architect, and the reason behind the name is because architecture was your profession, which you yes. quit for health reasons and start started baking cakes. You, you've come a cropper with uh, some trademark issue, have you? I did. I did a couple of weeks ago, actually. It's almost three weeks now. What happened? So, basically what happened, like, you know, as normal bakers, like, we always do the personalized cakes, right? So, if someone asked me to put a fashion branding on the cakes, like some names, um, the, and the bakers is doing it, right? So, um, like, even the figurines are, are different, like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say out loud uh, the names, but we do the characters from Disney and things like that. Yes, yeah, so, I've, I, I've got them in the past myself. Some fabulous exactly. birthday cakes and event cakes from, say, the likes of Trace of Cakes, who does fantastic cakes to order, and they'll, and I don't know whether Tracy gets any kind of copyright or trademark issues, I must ask her, but is it Louis yeah. Vuitton? Um, you, you put a little, yes. you put a yes. little logo on a cake, was it? Yes, so one cake was not even a handbag cake, okay? So I actually did a very simple round cake that had some flowers on it, some makeup things on it, design, and that had a very small logo, Louis Vuitton logo on it, right? So the, the person who asked me for the cake said, can you actually put this on the cake because I love Louis Vuitton. And that's normally what they do, the bakers, we do the personalized cake. Yeah, I know, there's loads and they can be Disney characters, as you say, they can exactly. be anything, you know, you can put anything exactly. on them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So what I did actually, I did this cake and I posted it back in December. So in the middle of January, I received the email from uh, Instagram saying that due to report number, and there was a long number associated with the report. Um, so I don't know if it was a person or maybe someone who's working for Louis Vuitton or was it like automatic kind of message? I don't know what it was. Right. They said, they said that they removed this post because it was against the rules of um, Instagram, which means the copyright um, items or trademarks were used uh, on my product. But so, I've, I've seen cakes designed with Tommy Hilfiger cakes, you know, around so the entire... Se- around the entire... Cake. Yeah, when you go on Instagram and when you search, for example, Louis Vuitton cakes, you have hundreds of thousands of them. I've seen Christian then, Dior cakes, for instance. 
Yes. Chanel exactly. number five cakes. Yes, which means we don't produce the bags or anything that is, you know. But you do use the colors and the copyright and the trademark and the ad and the and the logo, you see. Yeah, exactly. So they so, shut you down then, is it? So they first they removed the post and I said that probably that's it. I said, okay, so they removed the post even though I was very surprised because... The, the cakes like this, my cake was even very minimal when it comes to actually showing Louis Vuitton logo on it, right? So it wasn't like a very obvious one. So they shut down the post. And I said, I thought back then, okay, that's the end of the story. But two weeks later, the follow-up was deactivating my account completely. Deleting? Deleting the account, yes. And they said, because you violated the rules of Instagram, mm. we're going to delete you completely. And was that that somebody picked up on it or what? Do you, did they tell you how they got wind of it or anything like that? They didn't tell me anything. I had an option to appeal. There's a kind of automatic appeal. And in appeal, I explained exactly what was going on. And, you know, can they actually tell me exactly what happened and how I can move forward to avoid any problems like this in the future? But no one came back to me. I got email back. It was almost, again, a kind of automatic email no, you're banned from Instagram because you breached our um, terms. Uh, is that a temporary going. ban or are you gone for good? There wasn't like even a warning of temporary ban. There was a complete activation on my account and they actually told me in the second email that I'm banned for life. Wow. What about Facebook I'm still on the Facebook and it's funny thing because it's owned by the same company, right? Yeah. So I'm still on the Facebook. But you see the Instagram, especially in my profession, it brings the biggest clientele and this has a bigger the biggest exposure. So if you're not on Instagram, you know, it's it's almost you don't exist because I did everything for Instagram. Has it's it a, I mean has it ruined your business? I mean, will you be able to continue or will you be able to uh, it, it ruined completely my business because I can see the impact that happened in the past three weeks and about the orders that I got. Even the orders that I got for Valentine's Day they were from Instagram, which I took the notes of all of them, right, before my Instagram was banned. Because you see when they banned my Instagram, I lost access to Yeah, all you're gone. I just searched for you there, Funky Cage yeah, by Architect. Thousands and, and thousands of like, posts, but I can't see you. Yeah. So what happened, like I tried to open the new account four days after the first activation under the different email address. But some, and I only posted like a few um, images of the cakes of a very simple Teddy's design. And my account was deactivated again. Do you know when you did the Louis Vuitton cake, right? Uh, I get yeah. where they're coming from. They have to be protective of their trademarks and logos and everything. But do you, did you tag them maybe? You see, I did tag them. And for reason for that, my understanding of the, using the trademark um, items is like, if you actually acknowledge that you're using it, there's no issue of using them. That was my understanding. I don't know so about that. I, I don't know that it allows you. I wouldn't have thought it does, you know? Yeah. I think that if you yeah. tagged Louis Vuitton thinking you were giving them credit, you alerted them. Could be. Maybe that was the option. That's what happened with me. Uh, but you see, like, when you're even lo- looking at the cakes with Peppa Pig or Spider-Man and everything, when you actually read the information that are stated for the bakers, we are not allowed to use any of those characters on the cakes. No one is allowed to use it unless you have a license. So but cake, but, but cake makers license. do use them. I mean, in the past, many people have got Disney cakes or cakes with Coca-Cola on them or the logo yes. of McDonald's or, yes. 
I think if I think if you if you tag them though, you're alerting them to a trademark uh, infringement. I would imagine, um, mm, and 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 I think I think that's what happened when when they got wind of it. They kind of said. It just—it's an automatic process. Uh, like, so what? What? What are you going to do to try and keep the business ticking? To be honest with you, I absolutely have no idea. I was trying to find out what I can do actually to open the Facebook account that people can recognize. No, sorry, Instagram account that people can recognize me. It's me, but uh, maybe that I, Instagram won't be alerted that it's me. What, what actually is very upset and I feel it's very unfair that I was banned for life. I didn't get like suspended for 30 days. Or a warning. I lost, I lost over like 6,000 followers. You know, I lost a big chunk of my business and a lot of inquiries were coming from uh, Instagram. So I, since it was banned, like I saw my business kind of stand to the hold. You know, there's no movement. Nothing happening. It's almost like were I you bacon were you bacon yesterday, last night, fulfilling orders? I was. I was, but they were not collected, you see. Whatever was from orders from Instagram was not collected. Why? So there was a very heartbroken um situation yesterday. Yeah, it's uh it's a nightmare for you. No wonder you're not sleeping. Yeah, I'm not sleeping much recently. It kind of worries me because I don't even know how to go forward. There's not enough information, I think, about like how we can actually function on social media. And whatever you're putting on social media, it actually belongs to them. So if you put something on Instagram or Facebook, it belongs to them, doesn't belong to you. And all of a sudden, overnight, you can lose everything that you built over years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's okay. There's no explanation. Yeah. There's absolutely no explanation from them. I try to contact them. I try to send emails. I try to try to find explanation. How can I function on Instagram or be on Instagram? So... They're happy with Okay, just a very fast one because I'm, I'm over time now, but uh, Paddy Bowman yeah. worked as a tattoo artist and there was some similar case with Disney uh, and tattoos. Mm-hmm. Paddy, go ahead. Uh, Neil, how are you doing? Um, yeah, it's, uh, as I said, no, this ha- a long time ago. This is the early 90s. I distinctly remember a, a case about that. Um, it was a um, tattooist. It's, uh, it was fairly common that they you know, Every kind of a thing you'd, you'd tattoo, but uh, in the early nineties, there was a case. I'm not sure it was in Germany somewhere. Yeah, very, very, very and quickly. Did was a copyright? It, is it? It was a copyright issue that he was taken to court by Disney because he had tattooed um, several tattoos uh, of Mickey Mouse. Actually, they called it the Mickey Mouse case. Yeah, and um, he won the case uh, because. Uh, freedom, of, freedom of the Arts, you have the right to depict your own version of anything that you can look at. And you want it on the grounds of creative interpretation or something, yeah. yeah yes, yeah. you can, you, as an artist, you, you do have the freedom to copy anything you can, or not copy, your own depiction of anything that you can look at. Uh, you can't copy it, mind you. You can't copy it, but you're not copying it. You know what I mean? Mm, For yeah, example, yeah, an artist okay. can go into a museum and they, you know they can look at the paintings that are there and they can make their own they can interpret it differently I know what you're saying yeah I know I know that would be an expensive uh, no. route to go down I'm, I'm t- okay thanks Paddy I'll tell you what I'm going to come back after 11 because I'm over time for now text 0868104106 I'm Rory and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench that's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM 
104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show I come back to Isabella from Funky Cakes by Architecture when uh, I have an update on it I see a lot of different cake makers do use an awful lot of logos and I see also uh, that they also tag the logos with the companies who they're making cakes designed around their product and they don't seem to be coming into uh, any heartache but certainly um, Isabella's got banned from Instagram for a Louis Vuitton logo so anybody in a position to help there as to how she could get our business back on track because most of the bookings were coming through Instagram text 0868104106 lovely text thank you so much to Maureen and Billy Lehan who were on the air yesterday morning and they came back and said thank you so much for the beautiful bouquet of flowers yesterday from Shandon Flowers on Shandon Street you're a star well in fairness uh, to uh, Stacy at Shannon Flowers she puts together gorgeous bouquets for us and I'm glad you enjoy the Maureen and Billy and thank you for coming back we still have uh, prizes uh, to give away between now and midday today one is an afternoon tea at the Cork International Hotel the other is afternoon tea at uh, the Metropole uh, two beautiful hotels to have afternoon tea in. Then we have the new sharing menu at Electric, which is a, a table of four. Uh, and then a wonderful, this kicks in today actually, Cockbull have started Cockbull Steaks. And they've given us steak dinner with wine for two at Cockbull on French Church Street. So there's all that, and I'm sure there's one or two others as well that I'm forgetting about. And that's all between now and midday today. In studio actually, a little later this hour, uh, the one and only Pat Short. Actually, it's a duo now because it's Pat and Faye short who are traveling at the moment with their comedy show on the circuit and will be playing Cork in the not too distant future so they're dropping in to say hello a little later on. Lines open for all of the business text 0868104106 but just actually staying with some of the calls that I didn't get to yesterday. James McGrath went completely OTT there some time ago uh, when his girlfriend, former girlfriend I think, is it former James before I put my two feet in it? Or current? <laughs> How's the legend there, Neil? Yeah. All right. All right, kid. I'm all right. Um, so, <laughs> is she still your girlfriend or not no more? No. No, not no more, Neil. It didn't work out. All right. Okay. It didn't work out. It was a great, it was a great effort there, like. Okay, tell us about the effort because it was Valentine's and she was coming over for Valentine's from Newcastle. That's correct, yeah. Well, what, what, what it was, I, um, I was going out with a, a, a young lady there from Newcastle for a few years, and uh, I come back to Cork in 2014, uh, just early, early in 2014, uh, just to do a bit of walk over here. Uh, I was working for a friend of mine, you know? Yeah. And um, I, um, Valentine's Day was looming, and uh, my the, the girl at the time she she wanted uh, to come over to the Cork. Uh, she loved it over here. She's been over a few times previously, and uh, I invited her over. And we I had a lovely weekend booked in Salt Hill and Galway. So on Valentine's morning, uh, she arrived in Cork Airport. What I did, <laughs> what I did, I uh, I decided to go all out like like most lads do and uh, try to impress her. So uh, I think I took, uh, I bought Cork Airport to a standstill. But anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, on on the morning, I uh, I got myself, <laughs> I got myself all togged up there in a, in a lovely tuxedo, uh, all all the trimmings. The, the That'd be a full way. black James Bond tuxedo, tuxedo right? One, the full it was James 007 McGrath, <laughs> um, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what I did was I, I borrowed a friend's car I didn't want to go up there in the old jalopy I was driving at the time so I borrowed a, a Mercedes just to go up there for a bit of style so I got myself in a, a black tuxedo the black tie 
and my shoes were that gleaming I could, I could see the reflection of the moon on them it was great you know? right roses chocolates gifts absolutely Neil without a shadow of a doubt I uh, I went all out I had a lovely bunch of roses 12 red roses uh, <laughs> I had uh, some chocolates I think you know, I, I believe they were milk tray at the time and I decided anyway I headed up to Cork the airport I pulled in the car park in the usual multi-storey there and I was walking from the scar park to the, to, to the terminal. Ah, you should have pulled the murk up outside arrivals, for God's sake. That hardly a clamped you. Know, I, I, I would have got a ticket shot from the boys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been straight on to a cell. Like, the security up there is just worse than the, the NASA. Not the if they saw James Bond arriving at the airport. They'd leave you well alone. I didn't want to risk it anyway because I didn't want to go out there having the clamp on after putting all day. <laughs> it would be mortifyingly embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> it would have been, it would have been nail. So yeah, I got the suit on anyway. I had a black tie and uh, the, the black, the, everything was going well. So I arrived anyway. As I was walking into the airport, I got some strange looks off the folk, you know. They were, Who's this guy here, you know? So I I, uh, I went into the arrivals anywhere in the airport and I stood there waiting for the Newcastle flight to come in. Now there was a couple of people gathered around and there was a lovely elderly lady uh, asked me the, the proverbial question, what, 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 what was I doing? She got her I was it was Valentine's Day, she got her I was trying to impress somebody. She did say to me if the girlfriend didn't turn up that she was happy to go with the day, but <laughs> so I to <laughs> The girlfriend did arrive though, did she? She did indeed, Neil, she did. And to be honest with you, it was a great it was a great occasion because I felt like it was in a Hollywood movie. The the flight come in, uh, the passengers all arrived and as she come through the the open gate doors there, she come into the arrivals in the Cork Airport. She spotted me straight away, obviously. She walked towards me and uh, I, she was crying. I don't know if she was crying with it in, in the fact that I got her, the, the, I went the whole hug or she was embarrassed. But anyway, that, that's another she story. She probably, but, okay, uh, you know the way in the movie, she was kind of like in slow motion, like, you know, that kind of way. Absolutely. Uh, she was absolutely smiling from ear to ear. And the people around me, anyway, they see what was happening. And I got actually a round of applause. Of, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was definitely a Hollywood movie job and uh, well worked it well worked you it. certainly love bombed her that's for sure but um, you I'd say you were madly in love with her were you James? Ah, uh, sure listen no we all we all fall madly in love with sometime Neil and you have to do these things uh, <laughs> yesterday I believe you had some great people on the show it was yeah. great absolutely yeah. love to hear these people yeah. but I think myself like, it's a chance for the man to jump on the white horse there now and gallop in and, and rescue the woman and give her a good time I'm sure it was a great event and you had a great time above in Salt Hill well, and where, are you in Cork now or are you, are you settled down I, I, did you, I, I, did I, you I, ultimately I, find love somewhere I, well, at the moment, Neil, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually just uh, in the uh, looking out for a bit of love life. But uh, <laughs> I didn't get anything yesterday, Valentine's Day, to be honest with you. But listen, um, it, it was a great, a great occasion for me. Uh, I'm back in Ireland now, uh, from the UK myself, loving, loving life back in Cork, listening to you every day. Uh, fantastic show Perfect. and great people today. Cork. You've got to love us. All right, my man. Great story. Thanks for sharing it. Stay listening, James, because I have some prizes before I finish this morning. And who knows what might happen. Angela, good morning. Morning, Neil. James Bond himself. So what happened with you? It was about 2017, was it? Were you? Uh, did you go to Rome? I did. I went to Rome with my friend at the time. Um, and we, we, we booked a week. Um, a week is very long in Rome. Two girls, was it? No, me and a, a friend who was a boy. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and sure, 
all we did was walk around the city. So we used to pass the Trevi Fountain. And as the story goes, if you throw money into the Trevi Fountain, you're going to find love. So started off with the five cents and then the ten cents the next day and we went right up. <laughs> this is you, more. is it? This is you throwing all that your money in. Me, yeah. <laughs> uh, cheap, you'd have been cheaper on Tinder, but anyway, go ahead. It probably would. <laughs> um, and then one day we were just strolling around and we found that you can't find cider in Rome for love nor money, but we found an Irish pub that had Bulmers. So in we went. Sorted. Yeah, sorted. And sure, once you get a sip of the Bulmers, you know, could you be wrecked from all the limoncello and the speckles <laughs> and everything? So once you get a sip of cider, then sure, we sat and we made ourselves comfortable for the day. And we got talking to this other kind of older couple. And this older couple, um, they started drinking with us and kept drinking anyway. And they said, what have you been doing? I said, I've been throwing money into the Trevi Fountain. My money's gone now. I'll go home tomorrow because I have nothing left. And they said, God, you're doing it all wrong. They said, you have to go on plenty of fish. They said, that's how we met. Looking up here now over in Rome together on a long weekend. I said, that's lovely. So late into the night, they said, make us a promise that you'll go on to plenty of fish when you go home. And I said, I promise. Sure, I promise them the worst that stage. <laughs> Anything, there was so much drinking me. I said, not a bother. <laughs> and then I got home and I was on the kind of hol- holiday downers. So I was just like, God, what will I do now? I'm just kind you of... You didn't beat an, a nice, good-looking man from Rome, a Roman, no? Not an Italian, no. No, no. not an Italian in sight that took your fancy. No, that Trevi Fountain did me no did favour no over there. <laughs> But uh, I went home and I said, sure, look, I'll go on to Plenty of Fish. I promised the lads back in the day that I'd go on Plenty of Fish, and I did. And within 24 hours, I got a message of this man, this fella. And now we are two children in six years later, and we're getting married next year. So... There's a bit of a jump there from a there's a bit of a jump there from a plenty of fish marriage plenty of fish post all the way to marriage and children. I'm sure there's something went on in the middle there. Like there's a small bit happened in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know was it the plenty of fish or the Trevi Fountain or a bit of both. Uh, I think it was. I think it all started with the Trevi Fountain. It actually did find you love because throwing the money into you've probably thought this yourself. Throwing your money into the Trevi Fountain led you to going to that pub and talking about it with the. about the fact that you are throwing money into the Trevi Fountain and they told you what to do and you found love because of it. If you hadn't told them the Trevi Fountain story, none of this would have happened. This is true, yeah. This is very true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, no, we're delighted now, I suppose. You know, six years on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was this a Cork man, a Cork date or where? It's a Cork, he's a Cork, North Cork man and I'm Cork City, so... We're now living in Norcork. Well, listen, I'm go- I want you to come into the city uh, of a night of your pleasure. Do you eat steak? They all eat steak up in North Cork. We're eating steak tonight now, yeah. Lovely oh. steak for tonight as Okay, well, that's fine. You're sorted with your own dinner for steak tonight. But at a later date, I want you to go... What's his name? The man from Plenty of Fish. Stephen. Stephen, I want you yeah. to take I want you to take Stephen for steak dinner with wine for two at Cockbull on French Church Street, right? Oh, that's lovely! Thank you so much. On the, on the promise that you will go over to the over to the Grand Parade and you'll throw a few few coins in the fountain on the Grand Parade. I will. I will send you a picture. And I want a that's photograph me. to prove it. I will, of course. All right, girl. Have a good one. Well done. Thanks so much. Cheers, Angela. Take care. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. Talk 
to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Ran out of time yesterday. Was that busy with all of the love stories and the people who were married a long, long time and great calls on air yesterday, but it didn't get to everybody and I'm glad to have the opportunity to catch up with another few this morning. Katie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you doing? Oh, my God. What? You've been through the horrors, haven't you? And if it wasn't for Donald, your brilliant better half... You possibly mightn't have got through it. What happened in 15? Was it a rare brain brain tumour? It was, yes, Neil. In 2015, um, I began to get headaches, but they weren't kind of uh, frequent. They were very sporadic and they were excruciating headaches with distorted vision and kind of uh, accelerated in May 2015 when I got new symptoms of uh, nausea and feeling very weak. So I went to South Dock and they uh, suggested that it could be just a bad migraine. Now, I can't blame them. They did say to go to your GP if my symptoms persisted. Uh, by the end of the week, uh, I still had a headache, a very excruciating headache with distorted vision that looked like diagonal zigzag lines. Oh, my God, I can only imagine the pain. And I tingling can, numbness in my foot, yeah. which is, again, very so what? So what then was diagnosed? So that particular day then I actually uh, passed out at home and we went back to South Dock. In hindsight, I should have gone straight to A&E, but, you know, at the time you panic. Um, And it was uh, diagnosed, they did a CT scan straight away and they could see a black mass and fluid on the brain. So they did a drainage procedure that night to drain the fluid. The next day they did an MRI, which showed that I had a very uh, rare type of tumour called craniofringioma. There's only three to four cases of it a year in Ireland. Um, I was informed that the next day, which would have been Sunday, they would be doing a craniotomy, which would last at least five hours. This has gone right um, into the brain to get this out. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and it was a lot of shocking information. You, you just don't think it's It's also it's quick, you see. It's happening really quickly. From all I have a headache to all of this news, like, it's fairly alarming. Yeah, it was really shocking and just, uh, just a nightmare situation. But Don was always there for me. He was always very rational and calm. I had the operation on the Sunday. Thankfully, they removed most of the tumour and the cyst. They couldn't remove just one small piece because it was very in close proximity to the hypothalamus. So you describe it, of course, this is the brain surgery, 28 sessions of radiotherapy. Uh, God knows, I don't know whether there was chemo or not, was there? There wasn't chemo, but okay. I did have to have four operations. So I had the drainage procedure, two craniotomies because my eyesight got blurry again. And um, and then the and then the recovery after all that epic and grueling, which you wouldn't have survived without Donald. But but you know he 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 loves you, so therefore he he would go through the journey with you. But had you children at home as well? We didn't have children at that stage, no. Um, and the the fatigue and just the. How, how slow my recovery was. We were, we were fortunate we did, that we didn't at the time have any children because my recovery was just so slow. I'd say there were dark I, days, I'd say. There was, and uh, I do say I have written a book about the whole experience called Heads, Heads, or, Heads Tales. or Tales. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tales is spelled T-A-L-E-S. There's a kind of a pun on that about that. Uh, my life changed like, like quickly, like the flipping of a coin. And Tales then is just saying that this isn't a tale, it's a true story. I know you threw um, it now with the all clear and everything. I am, I am. I, I had, uh, I, I still go for yearly MRIs. I am steroid dependent. I have to take steroids every day and I have to take thyroid medication. I have to take estrogen because my body doesn't produce estrogen anymore. And you understand why you've been, through, you've been through the wars and the body. Yes. And then last June, little Jack came along. 
Jack came along then, yes, uh, a, a miracle. And obviously we needed a bit of a fertility treatment to help us. It wouldn't have happened naturally. So uh, if I was talking to you yesterday on Valentine's Day, you would have been telling me that Donal was your rock. Definitely, he's my rock. He's, he's just, he's been so supportive. He's very calm. I call him chamomile in the body. <laughs> he's just... <laughs> He's just he's a, he's just very calm and he's very rational because I mean he was going through all these shocking situations with me but he always kept his his coolness whereas obviously I was panicking and getting anxious and he always calmed he me kept down you together as best he could yeah, where did you meet very, incidentally yeah we met through a mutual friend of ours uh, he used to come into where I worked and at the time we were both seeing other people so we we were just chatting and then we met on a night out when we were both single and as they say ready to mingle <laughs> so <it was> just, <laughs> and off you went does he make you laugh. He does. He's very, very humorous. Yeah, and that's that's very um, that's very important in any relationship, but especially when you're going through a recovery period. And um, there was, you know, constant times where I just needed somebody to to cheer me up, and, and he's always done that. He's just very funny, and he's very positive, and he's just uh, he's he's he's. You know, he appreciates like, I know, I know. He's well, strong listen, and he's calm and he's supportive. You've all, been all through the, the wars. Things. I'm sure you gave him and he gave you a gift yesterday. Certainly a card or a bouquet of flowers or something. Yes, yeah? and we actually gave each other chocolates and they were the same brand. So we're definitely in sync like the boys. You're band, in sync. You know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, listen, I want you, because you've been through the wars, take yourself off. Um, actually you can take four people to afternoon tea at the Cork International Hotel they're doing oh, a special brilliant. one at the moment it's called, Gal- it's called Galentine's but even though you're not out of love and in love you can still go alright oh fantastic that's amazing thank you I don't know whether Jack would be interested in cakes I'm sure he would but certainly well he, t- likes, he definitely likes to look anyway <laughs> and he, he likes he's very interested in food and can I just say that my book is available to buy on Amazon uh, it's called Heads or Tales. My uh, my author name is Katie B. McGrath, B, B for my maiden name. And it's in paperback and it's in Kindle version and it's also well on Washington Books. Well done. All that you've been through and still you put pen to paper. Uh, a lot you. of credit due to you. Enjoy afternoon tea at the Cork International. I you will, and Donal and Jack and whomever else you choose to take with you. Look after yourself, Katie, all right? Thank you. Thanks, Neil. Have a good all day. All right, and good luck to everybody uh, in Donnybrook and Douglas, where it's home for you. George and Helen O'Sullivan uh, were sent flowers yesterday, 57 years married. Mary and Mickey O'Toole, 50 years married. Sheila and Maura are twins who celebrate or celebrating 90 years on the planet. We sent them a bouquet of flowers each, and their granddaughter, the uh, GAA All-Star Orla Farmer, uh, picked them up and uh, sent us a beautiful picture of the flowers arriving to the two gorgeous sisters, Sheila and Maura. And then Maureen and Billy Lehan also got bouquets of flowers yesterday. Valerie Kent picked them up for her parents, Tom and Kathleen Buckley. And we sorted afternoon tea at the Metropole for Diane Collin from Drimmer League. And we've done some more great prizes this morning. Still, I hope to, you know, there's no reason that we shouldn't be talking about love and happiness all of the time. So we've got more of those short stories to share uh, right across the week. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106. They're laughing already. I mean, they haven't even started. Listen, lads, let me just tell you this now. Uh, lock your bedroom doors if you see Pat Short in the hotel lobby in Cork. Uh, they're staying in Cork tonight. Lock your bedroom doors. You need to give context to that. Because yeah, he sleeps. Sleep walks. <laughs> yeah. Would you believe I met the... <laughs> 
<laughs> I met a couple they came to a gig of mine afterwards and, and the first time I met them since that night and I should probably tell the audience the story but, and the first thing I said to them I did was are you staying in the hotel tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Do you regret telling me that we're not, telling you, we're not telling you where we're staying <laughs> Did they give you a t-shirt or something? They did give me a t-shirt yeah. You see the story I'll, I'll be very quick because I know you have much time um, I, I, I was it was Dermot and Dave on, on, on that station they were yeah, FM, I think. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was They asked me to come up and tell them a story that I kind of that was embarrassing and I thought I never told anyone this story it was really embarrassing <laughs> I was after a gig up the country I won't mention where I came back I was so exhausted tired, and I was with my sound engineer and we sat on the bed in my room and he said he left me on the bed fast asleep I just fell back conked out and the next thing I wake up in trying to get comfortable in the bed <laughs> And there was a woman screaming at me. And I went, what the name of Jesus? And I turned around and there was a fella standing there in his underpants going, everyone came down, everyone came down. <laughs> I thought, what are these people doing in my room? And then I saw those two kids in the bed. Oh, <laughs> I thought, oh, Jesus, <laughs> definitely not my room. Well, in fairness, <laughs> you shared the story. There was a bit of whiskey involved, though. There was a little uh, uh, no. <laughs> The best stories always have a drop of whiskey. <laughs> well, one of the best stories I've seen with drops of whiskey and pints of Guinness, of course, or should I say bottles of Guinness, yes. was uh, the Banshees. It's oh, just yeah, incredible. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Faye, yeah. I've met you before. Hi, Sorry. nice to meet you. Welcome. <laughs> the, new, the new show that you're touring with is... Well, yeah, that's the you're one the, with on the road. And was it was it COVID? It was COVID. Yeah, it was COVID. You went, you went home. We all got grounded, like. Yeah, we did. Very grounded. I hadn't. I had big right, plans to move now. to London and all this crap. <laughs> and and now I'm in Limerick. <laughs> and I've been in Limerick for the last three years. <laughs> There's no sign of me leaving. <laughs> Wait, I'm saving you money. <laughs> um, yeah, it was COVID. I was in college at the time. I was in Bow Street for screen acting and I was finishing the course online and then we started doing sketches together at home and it kind of went from there. Yeah. We did uh, our uh, comic relief with Deirdre O'Kane uh, that was streamed online and we did a sketch for that and then we did the New Year's, New Year's Eve special. special. Yeah. I was seeing lots on YouTube and I was seeing lots of sketches that you yeah. because yeah. on on Instagram because you yeah. were saying it, it, it was much better than drinking bottles of wine and making, making <laughs> banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> there was a lot of that. Yeah, around. there was. There's too much of it. Sick of and you just clicked. We did, yeah. Sure, we go back a long way, don't we? We we know each other for years. I know, since you were So we'd have that connection, you yeah. know. <laughs> but did you ever think that this would happen? No, not a chance. No. No, no. Your I definitely... No, no still, I... Still can't believe it. <laughs> still in shock. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. I had no intentions of it at all. I, if, if anything, to be honest, I'd say I would have ran for the hills just because I was like, I'm going to carve my own path and all that crack and but now look at us yeah we're one happy, big, happy, happy family <laughs> oh, oh my god it's fantastic god. it's fantastic you know I know we talk about um, Banshees yes uh, all of the BAFTAs and all of the Oscar awards yes, and all these yes, kind of things yes. but the timing I have a little clip actually that I just oh, downloaded okay. from the film because you were back together of course this this scene features yeah. Colin Farrell but it also features you with, with John Kenny John Kenny that's right I yeah, mean yeah. the timing it, I was just saying to you before mm. it was like it's like riding a bike isn't it I know you rehearsed it don't get me wrong no no but you're right I mean no it does require timing and, and uh, two performers to have it I think that's why Martin picked the two of us because uh, he, he knows us from old and we did one of his plays many many years back and he he just I, I've, I've said it in lots of interviews and stuff I think Martin Martin's a great man for the double act. Um, not you know, and that's when he looked at myself and John. He wanted that dynamic. But it reminded us of how brilliant you guys were together. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's have a listen to it. This is the pub scene, and of course, you're playing uh, the part of John Joe Divine the Publican. Yes. And uh, Colin Farrell is there, and of course, the great John Kenny. Have a listen to this. Well, I never heard the like. I never heard the like. 
must really not like you, Rory. Fingers. Jesus, he's serious, lads. He is serious. You could see in his eyes he's serious. Just because he thinks you're dull. That's going overboard. Who told you about the dull? Well, I overheard it. Like, what was I supposed to do? I don't think you're dull. And she's if I was to cut something off myself for every dull person that came in here, I, I'd only have my head left. Do you think I'm dull, Jerry? No. That said, I did think the two ye always made a funny pairing like. No, we didn't. Yeah, you did. Indeed. Obviously, you did. Because now he'd rather maim himself than talk to you. Colin was always more of a thinker. Huh? Why is every. I think. Ah, you don't, Porrick. You don't, Porrick. Your sister does. Your sister does. I. Siobhan does. You're more of a... You're more of a... What is he? You're more one of life's good guys. You're more one of life's good guys. Aye. Apart from when you're drunk. Apart from when you're drunk, aye. I used to think that would be a nice thing to be. One of life's good guys. And now it sounds like the worst thing I ever heard. Ah, don't take it like that, Porrick. Don't take it like that, Porrick. We're on your side. It's incredible, isn't it? Right, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's very—it's different listening to it than actually watching what, it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah very different. You're right. The timing is very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if so, I may say so if myself. I'm very both, good. Both no. you, I know you get asked, that, but both of you ruled it out. There will be no more done believables. Although, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, we did a reunion tour about twelve years ago now. Like people say, you know, it's it's lovely. People talk about us fondly, but we stop working in 2000. I know. Oh, so I know. It's 22 years ago. So but you didn't rule out so Scully though, did you? Another repeat yeah, of it. Well, another like, run. Another run. No, that won't happen. No. It's just a very expensive project and it was a very big project and, and uh, again, gosh, that's nearly 20 years since that I was know, made. It's a marvellous, great, great show. No, myself and John, like John is very busy at the moment touring. He, I think he was, he was on recently in the Opera House in Cork yeah. uh, and with Norma and he's, yeah. he's touring with, with theatre shows and that. And it was lovely. To, like we'd end up working on film sooner than we would on stage because yeah, that yeah. kind of comes together. Um, whereas to, well, we're very busy we have yeah. a tour planned for next year and I'm starting a movie next week in Belfast and you know a couple of uh, two more movies and TV shows this summer so, so the kind of diary's fairly full up you know yeah, so yeah. in order for Seth and John to do something together I think would take too much planning and, yeah, I know, and look I know. we had great times working happy memory no, I only exactly, mentioned exactly, it because yeah, yeah. they're bringing back a new run of Faulty Towers they're bringing I saw back, you know, they? Yeah, yeah. They did, you know yes, Sex and yeah. the City came back so yeah, they're yeah. bringing back Frasier so it can happen but oh, sometimes yeah. it's a better kind of left with the happy memories sometimes they are yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, where are you, where where are you guys getting the new material? Because that's got to be a huge challenge. Where does it come from? That's all me, isn't it? It is it's really, all yeah. me. <laughs> off you go, Sophie, and tell us where. <laughs> Do you want to head off there for a second? Like it's me. <laughs> no, um, well, it, it, like it's out there. It's everywhere. You just open your eyes and see it, isn't it, Faye? It's you also know? such a different dynamic as well, I suppose, yeah. because you know I'm a girl and I'm your daughter, and yeah. I'm much younger than you, just a little bit younger than you. But you know, there's that there's age difference there is, as well. There is and yeah, and we looked at ourselves for a lot of material as well, and dad and daughter, and yeah. how they would react to each other and the embarrassing moments and stuff. That's for the current show, which is is uh, finishing. This show is finishing in April, the end of April. Yeah, April, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we're going working on a new show probably for next year. Yeah, yeah. This year. yeah. moving on with moving new material. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, and yeah. a new dynamic. Now we've we've done the dad and daughter connection. Yeah. I think we look at more 
different relationships to characters and that, but it's great being on. It's it's like when I'm working with John in the past. I've been a solo artist since. It's great working with another person, like with Faye and a double act, and it allows us to do more theatrical stuff. Yeah, it, more is, costumes, yeah, changes, uh, and everything, and it's just and yeah. characters, which is well, great. Banshees certainly will increase your pedigree, won't it? Not that it needs increasing. No, it's true. I mean, I've already picked up two or three different movies. Isn't it amazing? Um, how that I think yeah. it's on the strand. I've gotten lovely texts and emails from all over the world from actors I've worked with, um, and I was a bit shocked. Some of them actually really big names that I, you know, you lose touch with people. And what was it like with with Farrell and Gleason and the likes? Was it, it, was, it was great fun. I have to say, like, I mean, the two lads. I know Brendan. I've done about seven or eight films with Brendan. So I knew Brendan Barry. I'd worked with Barry before. Uh, Kerry Condon. I hadn't, and I was very excited about working with Incredible. her. Incredible. She's from Turles as yeah, well, the same yeah, as myself. Yeah. And uh, and Colin was just a gentleman and a hilariously funny, great character. And it, it, at the end of the day, the other side of it is it was a comedy we're doing, so it was great. black tragic, black comedy. tragic. Mm-hmm. But we were roaring, laughing at stuff and said, you know, you can often work in films that are dramas that are very heavy and people go into a certain place and some actors will go into a corner to get into their character and all and they can be just a bit heavy kind yeah, of I know. Uh, yeah, atmosphere yeah, yeah. whereas this was dry balls we call it yeah yeah <laughs> I know like I mean they're lovely to do but they're nice to get away from as well <laughs> so the, look the crack on set was great and you couldn't be in a better part of the world than Mayo Ackle is incredible yeah. isn't it it's, and it's really put it on the map internationally but already there's criticism that it portrays the Irish as being moronic you know no, I, and I, that I, the I, accents yeah. were questionable and they the, the, you know looking at Ireland through the prism of the 1920s was wrong they got you know what, what do you make of the crazy ah, look it's entertainment at the end of the day um, it's a film uh, it's not real life so to, to, to tell a story you might stretch things a little bit you know we all do that mm. uh, especially in comedy uh, comedy it's always larger than life so maybe the, the not to be giving away stuff but the, the, what Brendan does to himself some people are going oh she could never do that of course she couldn't yeah. you know yeah. but it's a drama it's a story it's a comedy and it's not we're still not allowed to talk about the plot are we because we no. like to give spoiler alert I even think, now I yeah? think there's people there that probably have it's hard to believe I constantly no, no, get no. into trouble <laughs> <laughs> No, look, I, I heard some of the criticisms and I'd say, look, you know, if you're looking that seriously into something, there's lots of really great qualities in the film about the relationships between men and all that kind of stuff and friendship and, mm. and isolation and all those things. Oh, I thought it was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. It used to be seen on a big screen. It yeah, it's amazing. You, amazing. You know, were you proud yeah. of him? Oh, yeah. Ma- yeah, I actually went to the premiere in, in Dublin because you were in was, LA at the time, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, you were, yeah. I missed the Dublin one. I was, at, I was at Los a Angeles. A premiere screen. for yeah. your short film, wasn't it? So yeah. who goes to the Oscars then? Do you all go? No, no, no. I mean, look, we, I, I would be <laughs> supporting cast, you know, but like the one, I, the one I'm very excited about is the SAGs, which are on the end of February, and they'll be live on Netflix because that's the Screen Actors Guild of America, yeah. and we're nominated for best ensemble cast. It's that. up against the big film, though, isn't it? Um, you know, all quite in the Western Front. No, 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 no! It's not up against that. In, the, that in the, the SAGs, film? No, in the Oscars, it is. Yeah, oh, okay. that is that is. I saw that film; it's fantastic. Yeah, but there's all. I think it's like. Look, the Oscars are big every year. Oh no, we've got, we've got Colin Kuhn and everything. We've uh, got, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, in the sense of the competition is strong every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And this year is no different. It seems to be exceptionally strong. Scorsese is a Scorsese film. Uh, uh, you have me there now. I'm quite sure there must be one. Is it Scorsese or the other? I'm thinking maybe the name's wrong. There's about four or five, and that 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 one that's the Chinese one. <laughs> I should have the names of these I'm off the top of my head. You know the kind of kung fu set. So your man from Indiana Jones won the best actor in the Golden Globes. <laughs> that people roaring <laughs> yeah. at the radio. Maybe somebody here can like give us a dig out to, on the I other haven't name, seen that, but it's supposed to be an incredible film. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of her, the actress, who I can't remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> She's she not was good in, for names. She was in Crouch Dragon. 
Hit 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 She's absolutely incredible and she won that the best actress. That comes with her age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a load of the films going up in front but I, just talking about comedy though yeah. because like it's ever changing and I was talking about new material and being on stage Yeah, are, are you more are you more apprehensive now with the jokes and the gags because so much more is off the off limits now I think the generation I grew up in is I, I'm from, less tolerant yeah yeah so more less, offended <laughs> Well, I I think you know, like I wasn't in, uh, around when you could get away with all that stuff. The stuff you know you're I mean? also could get away with. Yeah, oh, like right. I, I wanted to do, do a know? sketch about a fellow who identifies. Uh, he he was Danny, but now he identifies as Danny <laughs> with an eye. And I'm like, no, Dad, we are not doing that. <laughs> I'm but, not getting cancelled. But why? We've been in the two years. <laughs> so do you have do you have discussions about that in the yeah, yeah. I just I've to be honest, I feel like you're not like that at all. No, no, I feel like your jokes are like. Isn't like that, yeah. you know, but but it's uh, but yeah. But no, we talk about it a bit. We just, we do, yeah. But you're more conscious of it, particularly after after Tommy Tiernan's issue uh, with his live show, of course. And yeah, there, there were repercussions because of yeah. that. Yeah, you, yeah. You don't want that to happen. I didn't think that was a good joke. I have to say, it wasn't funny. At I don't all. think it was funny at all. Yeah. And I think it was it was out of order. I like Tommy. I, I like his material, um, but that was just. Yeah. wrong yeah. Yeah. on every level yeah. so that's not you wouldn't go there you don't need to well, go well I don't think I that was like clever I, I just don't think well. I don't think that's a joke and I don't know why he did that I, I'd be absolutely critical about him mm. on that front yeah. I, I just yeah. think and I just don't see why that you go there with that I don't see why he went there because he's, but you he's see the impact comedian. of it because he did apologise and everything but now they're saying that his TV show is dropping numbers another 62,000 down last week is that a consequence of it is know. that cancelled cultural work I see, I think, I just, Jay, what do you that, think it's your it's your yeah, yeah I think it is yeah like now. I know for, for sure like my like a lot of my friends would have had like the same response that you, what you had like that it was it, was, it wasn't tasteful like it wasn't you know, it wasn't funny, really. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, and like I <laughs> don't seem critical of, of, a, of a, a colleague, as they call it, but uh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, I think no, definitely my age group. It's it's a different. Uh, we've been brought up in a different era, though. Like you know, like so, it's a lot of the stuff we just wouldn't. I, don't, I think we don't find it funny. I think that's the thing. Maybe that's just Maybe it. Maybe that's yeah, just, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we just don't find it funny. it's not all snowflake yeah, being getting yeah. offended and everyone yeah. offended by everything. I don't it's know, just maybe it's just not the humour. Sorry, God, humor. you just don't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, everyone's different, I yeah, suppose. comedy's like that, isn't um, it? subjective, like, yeah. And then some people love that stuff. So that's what makes some people tick that kind of humour as well. And is there we? a storyline through the show? Through, well... Yeah, there is a storyline, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a, basically a father-daughter duo going through the, the music scene. Um, they're taken off after Covid and they're doing gigs around the country and uh, it kind it's of about their relationship yeah really, it's about our relationship and, and, and how they react to each other and it's kind of looking <laughs> at ourselves in through their eyes if you yeah. understand what I'm saying in yeah. a kind of a way it allows us to hide <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you, not <laughs> you, hopefully you have a very long career ahead of you and you too but you, so. you've done some incredible stuff I mean you nearly it, was that upsetting because I know you read from Peaky Blinders but when you get the push when you get knocked back then does that hurt no that's, that's the nature that, of of the business and, and Faye knows that herself as well we we do oh, if I named out all the auditions I've had yeah, <laughs> no, but it, Batman and, 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 and it knocks the, you back though does it, it, it oh, well, like, I've been close to a couple of lead roles and I, I've missed out on them and I often say 
Well, is there not another part in the film that can give me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy enough to go up there and anything. Just do anything at all. <laughs> and you know, that, that also kind of makes me laugh. But no, you get used to it. I mean, I, the thing about it nowadays is self-tapes, isn't it, Faith? Yeah, it's a lot of self-taping. What does that mean? So basically, it's it's an audition. It's kind of like the, the main form of auditioning now at the moment. So you get given the... Um, get given the scene and you read alongside someone so I'll be in front of the camera and maybe oh, dad will read with me right. and he'll be saying the lines behind the camera send off the self-tape to the casting agent and they say yes or no it's very impersonal isn't it yeah it's, it's very handy to have dad to do with me because my my mom, mother is <laughs> oh my god she'd be reading out my lines she'd be reading out the <laughs> stage listening. direction everything well, yeah, she's, <laughs> a, lovely she's a lovely woman she's a lovely woman so I'm, I'm lucky enough with that. I know my friends have the same issue as well in, in the acting world. Yeah, but it, the funny thing, the thing about the self-tapes is you're shooting them out and you get your yeah. agent sometimes sends you self-tape to be the new Batman. And you say to yourself, I trust never going to be a new Batman. Why, why, why am I doing this? Audition for the next yeah. Bond. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I suppose it is good. Seamus Bond. Yeah. It's nice to... <laughs> oh, Shamey. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Dan, Dan Clancy as James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Shake and stir, whatever you get. <laughs> but I know, yeah, yeah. But look, it's good to be seen by the, yeah. the casting directors. And that's why... It would be hard to be Garage, though. That was the most incredible was, performance I've ever seen you in in my life. It was a lovely film. Thank you very much, buddy. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was, it was a great opportunity. Oh, my God. It was, powerful. It, so, yeah. it was incredibly powerful. It was incredibly powerful. Lovely, lovely, lovely film. But that's, look, Lenny Abramson, again, great director. And you can see the success he's had since... Uh, since that film it's so come on guys when's the Opera House gig the 4th of March well done Faye <laughs> on it like a car bonnet that's, that's why she's here uh, can I give away a couple of tickets yeah, yeah. Oh. Two, go on yeah, yeah, yeah. go on so. in the corner but you've seen the benefits you see know, Faye yeah. he knows he's like, like, well that's money out of my pocket <laughs> why do you what's that going to cost me <laughs> yes give, you can I give away two pair if you know absolutely. Two. absolutely on, so. listen it's great to see you both delighted that thanks you thanks for having us on congratulations for everything to do and kind regards to the rest of the cast and Jenny the donkey of course yes of course she's retired oh she's not going to Hollywood no No, she's a diva she's retired from the movie industry (laughs) one day one day (laughs) with Sheila Flitton on the air yesterday Sheila she's amazing originally from Cork that's right rocking at 90 years of age absolutely she was amazing in the film we had great fun up knackle with her oh my god it was incredible we're all all madly in love with with, with Sheila she's a fantastic woman great actress best of luck lads with everything that's coming down the track thanks for coming in the great Pat Short and Faye Short and we have two double passes to give away our phone lines are open on 0818104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And Faye and Pat Short play the Opera House on Saturday, March 4th. The show is called Well. And we have uh, two tickets to give away to both. Uh, where are they gone? Tracy Butler on the Commons Road and another set to Eric Johnson in Kinsale. Enjoy the show, lads. You can book tickets directly at the Cork Opera House box office and good luck. And the date is Saturday, March the 4th. Final word this morning to Katrina. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are now you? No, I'm good. I have a table for the new sharing menu at Electric for four people. Let me see if your story is good enough to win that. Um, it's burning love for sure, is it? It certainly was that. So, set to see, it was about 19 years ago now, it was our first Valentine's as a married couple. So, I was living in Mitchelstown at the time, where John is from, and I was trying to think outside the box. I said, sure, what will I do now? So, I had a bag of 100 tea lights. And tea lights, I said, right. Grant, yeah. Tea lights, yeah. yeah. So, I said that I'd make... 
Yeah, so I said I'd make, um, he was at work, I said I'd make a pathway from the, the front door, from the hall, through the sitting room, into the bedroom, you know, and I'll set the scene. Well, I'm going to be talking about, bu- is it a bungalow? It wasn't up the stairs or nothing, no? No, 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 it was just a, a bungalow, all ground level, yeah, he didn't <laughs> have to worry about the stairs at all, <laughs> okay. so that was fine. But I was worried in that the, t- the lights might melt the line, or the new line that was on the floor. So <laughs> the I only line in Mitchell's down, we have carpet up yeah. in Cork. Oh, well, he's Mitchell's son, but I, I'm down in a scheme belly. I'm a West Cork woman, he's an North Cork man. But anyway. a marble on the floor is down there. But anyway, I'll stop interrupting oh, you. Yeah. Go ahead. So anyway, the, do you know the, the plates that you have under, like say, apple tarts or rubber tarts, the tinfoil kind of plates? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I cut out a hundred circles to put one under each tea light <laughs> in case it melted the floor. So that was fine. So I timed it well, lit the candles. I had Shania Twain playing in the background. I was lying in bed waiting. So in John comes from work and he, he, he looks and kind of went, Jesus, could I just not have a cup of coffee there for us? <laughs> These candles are burning. So anyway, he, he, he left the cup of coffee and he jumped in and all was going grand as the, so, so, as the thing goes. And uh, next thing... What do you mean all was going grand? Well, he left the coffee, he jumped into the bed, that was fine. So anyway, after a few minutes, I thought I could smell burning, and he kind of looked and he said, do you smell burning? And I said, I do, I knew it wasn't us. So the pillow was after falling down on top of the candles, and the pillow was gone up on fire. So I was called all the just under the sun, and one of your great brainwaves again. And um, anyway, lo and behold, he, he got up and he had his cup of coffee, and that was deemed. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming you put the people put the fire out first. Oh, we did, yeah. And then to make matters worse, his cousin called down that evening, and uh, he said, "I'll let wait till I tell you what herself is after doing," and told him the whole story. <laughs> so that that was um, that was the end of that night though. of passion. Anyway, wasn't it? Oh, just well and truly cringed. But the flame, <laughs> the flame burned on anyway. The flame of love and passion, because you had a rake of kids. <laughs> we, we did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, must have done something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six of them, <laughs> is it? Six of them all together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for God's so. sake, you were romantic at heart, though. It's a really romantic gesture to do. He didn't. Uh, sure, he, my, he didn't appreciate it. In my mind, it was like the scene all of a movie. I thought he'd open the front door and should bring a tear to his eye, but he'd be blown away. <laughs> I'd say he thought first it could have been a power cut or something. I'd be quite, I'd be quite alarmed all those years ago if he fancied a cup of coffee faster than he fancied you. But anyway, I won't go there. He was probably safe. He was probably safer with the coffee. (laughs) If I said. If I send you into electric, please don't burn the place down, will you? <laughs> no, I promise I won't. <laughs> so it's a table for four. It's a sharing menu. So bring a couple of buddies for you. Do you know the great Doc Martin above there, Mitchell Soundway? Uh, no, 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 I don't. No, he'd be the Mitchell Soundside. I'm down the other side. Well, better, best not to invite him because he'd eat the f- food for the four of you anyway. So no co- come up with a couple of pals and come on up to Cork and into electric to go and enjoy the night, all right? Perfect, Neil. Thanks for me. What did you do yesterday for Valentine's? Nothing at all. He came home from work and I went out to work. I was working last night. Ah, so see how the years change you? Yeah, we were like passing ships and that was it. Ah, you need to come up with a new romantic gesture, Katrina. Or John, maybe. It's his turn now, I think. I say no, I said it'll be me, me now, and that'll be just stay away from the candles. Yeah, stay away from candles, candles. though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Unless you use the LED ones, you know. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's true. To be safe, Battery operated. All right. Well, good <laughs> luck and thanks for sharing. Enjoy electric, all right? <laughs> all right, Neil. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye. Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And if you have a story to share, particularly those kind of stories, why don't you email me, neil at redfm.ie. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.